Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track, right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field. Aminio left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone! Oh, Tani. That was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Welcome, everybody, to A's Cast Live. And we're giving it to you today in multiple versions. You have the version that is what you get on athletics.com slash A's Cast. And if you go to our A's Cast Twitter account, you can see that. Are we on live as we speak? Uh, Let me double check. Let's see. It says we're live as of 12 minutes ago or 12 seconds ago. 12 seconds. So you can see the new studio, the new Ace Cast Live studio. Uh, if you've been watching NBC Sports California, uh, you see me doing the hits from on pre and post, and they are all done from this studio. Uh, starting next week, we'll be done from the stadium as we're going to be doing it from the press box. But uh, – this is the new digs. This is the new studio that we've, uh, the new A's studio that we're going to have throughout the season when the A's are on the road. And then, of course, uh, in the off season when everything will be done from this studio that I have built in my house. I just want to, you know, there's a lot going on. I just want to start by saying, you know what, A's fans? It is 100% okay. To be giddy, to be happy, and to be enjoying what's happening right now with the Oakland Athletics. I officially give you permission to have fun with your families, your friends, to the naysayers who say, ah, it's going to end, or ah, this isn't real, or whatever. Enjoy every minute of it. You have every right. I said this last night on the postgame show. And it's happening as we speak even today. People who are texting me, dogging the A's, hating on the A's, are now texting me for opening day tickets. 
Everybody wants to be a part of opening day now, which is great, which is great. Let's pack the house. Let's get as many people in there as we can. This team has come out of nowhere. They've come out of nowhere. And they're fun to watch. Let's face it. They're fun to watch. It gives you a reason every single day to get up and say, all right, I got to work, I got to do this. But A's talk, we're going to listen to that. Then we're going to listen to the pregame show. And then let's get ready for the game. And then, of course, call it Triple Eight. God, I even forgot what the number is. I always have it in my book. Wait a minute, everybody. Wait a minute. Oh, I actually have it right here. For uh, Do I have it on here? No, I thought I had it. Never mind. 833-625-2278 is the number for the postgame show. The Bible, by the way, in full effect on the season. But, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really excited. I don't know how – I don't know how you're not after that 6-3 victory yesterday. A's have scored 42 runs on the year. Who are these guys? The A's have won four or five. Who are these guys? This was a team no one gave a shot to. I don't know what it's going to be like. We don't know. We we have no clue what this is going to be like in a month, two months. Who knows? That's why you write it now. Enjoy every minute of it right now. Funny thing happened to me yesterday is Aaron – the San Jose State College student, buddy of mine, who was uh, saw him yesterday, and he was like, well, you know, Tampa's missing people. I went, Tampa's missing people? What? Ta- oh, oh, Tampa's missing people? Do we got to go down the laundry list of, of the guys that were missing off the roster from last year, and you're worried about a couple guys in Tampa? Do we need to go down the line position by position of the guys the A's are missing and this new group that's stepping in? Come on, man. That's why enjoy this. And who knows? That's why you play the games. I'm not going to put my my my, my retirement plan on this team to win a division or go to the playoffs. You don't have to. You can sit back and enjoy what we have now. How about Mark Kotze? He said it to us in the dugout at Ho-Ho Cam. He said, this team's going to be better than you think. This team's going to play hard. Going to play hard every single game. And what have they done so far? They've played hard every single game. Tampa is a favorite. I don't have the list in front of me, but they're top five team to win the win the World Series, right, in the odds put out by Caesars? Yeah, they they – they have a, still have a good squad. The A's took three or four, but Tampa's, Tampa's going to be there. But, but they yeah, were, they were they were favored to be one of the favorites to win the World Series. Dodgers were one, but Tampa was top five. Where was Toronto? Toronto was probably top three. They had to be because, you know, you know how say, it works. Everyone loves the Yankees. No, the, they, they were both higher than the Yankees. So. Big one last night for the Yankees against the Jays. But, yeah, I th- I'd have to pull up the that list I wanna again. Say, but I want to say Tampa and um, – and Toronto were both had better odds than the Yankees to win the World Series. So they're both top eight, just to, just to save ourselves. They're both top eight. Um, and now you get, you know, a long, you know, for the A's, I don't think anything's long. For the A's, I think right now everything's gravy. I think you got guys are in the big leagues for the first time. They're flying on the planes. 
they're fly they're they're staying in the top hotels. You know, th- these guys are used to ride buses, man. <laughs> I mean, for them, they're not tired. I mean, they can't wait to get to the ballpark. Are you kidding me? Now the the Blue Jay team, they just had an emotional series against the New York Yankees, right? So I could see a situation where that, you know, I'm not going to say they're 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 going to be down a little bit, but I won't hate it. And I'm excited about. It. I mean, how are you not excited? Going to see Matt Chapman, our old friend Matt Chapman. How's Chappie doing? Kind of looks like the Chappie that left us. Uh, by the way, last night Matt Chapman. If you didn't get to see the highlights, uh, Matt Chapman on first base, a weak line drive to second base, and did not freeze. Kept going. So now he's more than half. I mean, I want. I'd have to go back and look at the highlight. He looked like he was more than halfway, but. That week of a ball, you shouldn't even have been halfway. You freeze immediately. Gets uh, LeMayhew catches it, throws it to first base to Rizzo. Ball game over. Bad running mistake for Matt Chapman last night in that game where the Rays got bases loaded. Matt Chapman has started hitting a buck ninety, one home run, four RBIs in seven games. Get the strikeouts. I'll pull that up. That's why I was wondering if they, if you had that or not. Buck ninety. Not a good start for Matt Chapman. Chap, uh, nine strikeouts in 21 at-bats. Nine strikeouts, batting 190. And you know what You know what they'll do, right? I'll, I'll give you the script. The script's going to be everything's okay, new team, new scenario, getting used to it, trying too hard. And that may be the case, but also we've watched this. You know, every excuse was made. It's the hip. It's the surgery. And then you go, well, is he healthy? Oh, yeah, he's 100%. I don't know what you guys are talking about with the hip anymore. Oh, but that's an injury that, you know, I just asked Mark Hanna. I just asked Sean and I. That thing's going to take a year. Well, okay. So we'll see. But we get to see Matt Chapman. No different than seeing Donaldson. No different than seeing Marcus Simeon with the Blue Jays. It's funny. You know, Moneyball, and I've actually had people call the postgame show. It's like, oh, we give everybody the Yankees and the Red Sox. Now everybody seems to go to the Blue Jays. Used to be Yankees, Red Sox (laughs) back in the Moneyball days in the early 2000s. Now it's everybody goes to the Blue Jays. Who would have predicted that? Not many. And the guy, I mean, you just, right now, I, I don't have a pen on me. If I had a pen on me, I'd circle it right now. There's one guy when I do my lineup today. When I fill up my lineup card, get ready for today's game, one guy, I'm putting a circle around his name. I don't get Biggio hasn't hit at all. Cavan, n- not not his dad, the Hall of Famer. Or Bichette, not his dad, shortstop. Neither guy are hitting. The the, the guy that you gotta watch and put the circle like like Scott Emerson, I, I bet Scott Emerson and Dalton Jeffries had nightmares last night of this guy. He may be the best offensive player until Trout gets back to being Trout. Otani's impressive, but I don't know if there's anybody in our game 
right now that's a more feared guy than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like all the guys have gotten big contracts. I don't care about the money. This kid's just God-given ability to hit a baseball, to hit it hard, and to hit it far. But he's not just a grip-it-and-rip-it guy. He's got a lot of daddy in him. And he can kind of hit all over the strike zone, hit the ball all over the yard. And if you watch a lot of MLB Network like I do, Omar Minaya, the longtime executive for the Expos, for the Mets, obviously was with Vladimir Guerrero in Montreal. So he is known, and I will ask Dan Schulman about this, he's known Vladdy Jr. since he was a little kid. And they had these... They had these highlights yesterday on MLB Network of Omar Minaya working out Vladdy Jr. as a Padre. And he's got this Padres uniform on. I I didn't realize you could work guys out, but I guess it would have been probably at the Dominican facility. Do not quote me on any of this. They were just showing highlights, I'm guessing. But there was pictures with Vladdy Sr., Vladdy Jr., Omar Minaya. When did... Omar and I work for the Padres. I think he was under Sandy Alderson, right? That'd be about what in the late nineties. Uh, now he's what he went to the was it Mod- Padres then Mets? Is what he, pa- he went Montreal. I don't even know if he was a part of Montreal moving. I think he was gone before then. But at some point he was with the Padres, and Vladdy had to be like fifteen at the time. Uh, Mets mid mid nineties, and then he went to the Expos in two thousand two, and then he went back to the Mets. Um, this, I'm not saying anything about the Padres. Let's see. There's a stint in there with the Padres. Uh, Padres. Two, this, on December 2nd, 2011, Omar Minaya was hired by the San Diego Padres as Senior Vice President of Baseball Operations. Makes sense. 2011, Vladimir Guerrero at that point is a teenager. Yeah, because he's, what, 23? 23, so you figure that's, that yeah. would have been 11 years ago. Yeah. So they're wow. showing him taking hacks at 15, and he looks like a grown man. I mean, it was like... He's taken half. He basically is a mini-me version of his father at 15. He's just heavier than his dad. But, I mean, he's hitting balls at 15, and Omar Minaya was talking about it on MLB Network going, uh, this guy's down is off the charts. Uh, got to get him signed up. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, you've got this this guy. I mean, he's he, – he, Omar Minaya, by the way, oh, I'm trying to get to my point here. Omar Minaya said yesterday on MLB Network he's better than his dad. His dad's one of the best players we've ever seen. He's a Hall of Famer. It's high praise. I mean, he's only 373 home runs behind his dad now, if you want to talk about career he's home 23. runs. 23. Although I did break this down. Vlad, Vladdy Jr. hit 48 home runs last year. His dad, the most his dad ever hit was 44. Vlad, I mean. He's, he's 23. He's 23. He's, he's an exceptional player. With unreal power. He doesn't look that bad at first base. I saw him make a nice stretch the other game against the Yankees. Defense is coming along. He obviously he wasn't going to be a third baseman long term. We all knew that. But seeing he him He still at, looks heavy, by the way. I mean, he slimmed down last year, but yeah, he's still big. Watching him watch it. That'd be the only if I'm worried about anything, and you know, I really like talking about somebody's weight, but at twenty three years old, you've already have diagnosed yourself as I gotta I gotta work on, on my on my weight he was uh, you know watching him last night in that Yankee game he looks thick but there, there's one thing about him too that's never been that he's done that's never happened to Garrett Cole 
he's the first player to ever get three extra base hits in a game versus Garrett Cole. He had the two home runs and the double in the game where Garrett Cole got lit up. Remind me to tell you about Yankees radio yesterday. Oh, okay. I, I love this discussion. Wow. Um, this is rain delay theater, right? So this is after I got done. Well, I want to get to the Vladimir Jr. Guerrero, four for eight with runners in scoring position in the series against the Yankees. The rest of the team, just four for 45. So they come in not hot as a team compared to the A's. I mean, this, I saw this on MLB Network last night. I immediately got off my couch, took a picture, and was like, this is awesome. The tale of the tape from the series against Tampa. The A's scored 31 runs while the Rays scored 16. The A's hit 342 with runners in scoring position while Tampa hit 238. Um, Remember people said batting average doesn't matter? Remember these guys that want to tell you that batting average doesn't matter? Um, I don't know. I think uh, batting average and batting average with runners in scoring position helps produce runs. And I know I'm not a math major, but if you score more runs than the other team, what happens? You win the game. Oh, that's interesting. So the A's scored 31 runs, and their batting average with runners on was 342. Just that flawed metric called batting average. While the Rays scored 16, and there was only 238. Well, we know that they're, they're, they're a swing and miss team, the Rays are. The A's led 26 innings of the series while the Rays led six. And probably the story, one of the main stories, I think runs scored, the 42 runs scored so far this year is the number one story. But I think if we're doing, if we're doing top, um, we're doing top stories, I think no question the run scored is going to be number one for the athletics. But the bullpen, the bullpen's ERA in the four games was 2.55, while the bullpen for the Rays was 5.06. The vaunted Rays, who I'm pointing to this guy again, always tells me how great the Rays are and their bullpen. And meh, 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 meh. Well, A's was 2.55, while the Rays was 5.06. A's also hit six home runs in that series. and But there were home runs? No, I know. But they the story. And they, they also, there was also guys on base, something that we didn't see. I think the A's hit 138 solo home runs last year. 23 of Matt Chapman's 27 home runs last year were solo home runs. So the C guys on base, the A's already have a grand slam. They only had two of last year. I think if I broke it down. I've been tracking the home run numbers. Uh, the grand slam. The well, well, hey, grand slams. Are, hey, that stat, that stat, uh, that counts towards Sheldon Noisy stats towards the end of the year if he wants to get paid. They also have five three run homers already, which is impressive. So and they won their first four game series at the Trop. Since 2002. This shouldn't shock you, though. Do you know that the A's best record against any American League team going is the Rays? That doesn't surprise me. They've dominated the Rays. But winning, but that's their first four-game series win at the Trop, though? Well, I mean, winning a four-game series against anybody anywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's – that's that, that, that but, is – But those, but we're talking about that's when they were the devil Rays and they weren't very good. But they go 20 years without winning a series there, and then when it what the oh, you team said that, four game series, yeah, four game series, yes, yeah, so a four game, game series. series. 
But to win it with a you know a team that is supposed to be rebuilding and retooling is really impressive. Seven oh, games huge. in, huge. I mean, the bullpen over the series had two point five five ERA. I mean, that was huge. Uh, and you know, going into this series, you can come away with a series victory against the Blue Jays. It doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what Cody thinks. Doesn't matter what the national media. That doesn't matter. All all that matters is what. The guys in uniform think what they believe. And when you start believing, man, that's a powerful thing. I mean, right now, why do they what 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 do they care what and I don't want to throw in our any of our buddies under, you know, but a Buster Only or a Bob Nightingale or a Ken Rosenthal or anybody on the MLB Network, why the hell would you care if you're with the Oakland A's, what these guys have to say? Why would you care? Come on, man. You're eating the finest spreads. You're on a charter jet. In Toronto, they're probably staying at a Ritz-Carlton or a Four Seasons. I've been to the hotel in St. Petersburg. It's gorgeous. It's an old-school hotel. Supposedly it's haunted. It's awesome, though. Uh, right there on the water. You go from riding in buses, staying in God knows where in the middle of, bah, to riding on charter jets. You don't think these guys are pumped up about what's going on? Why do they, you think they care what Ken Rosenthal thinks? You think if I'm an ace player, I care what anybody thinks? Hell, half of them have no clue who I am. They they just met me at spring training. They have no idea. Why would they care what I think? They're in the big leagues. They're in the show. Keep it rolling. And if you can keep getting, and and one thing that we haven't talked about that has played, uh, you know, especially in the last two games, and Adam Aller first start, we'll see. But, Back-to-back games where you got your starter going in the seventh inning. And Frankie Montas and Cole Irvin. Wasn't Cole Irvin like the perfect guy for getaway day? Pump strikes, work fast, fourth game of a series, keep your defense, keep everybody in it. Um, I don't know what the future. I don't have a Chris. Do we, maybe we, you know what? Maybe that's what we need to get for this studio. A crystal ball? A crystal ball, an A's crystal ball. I, I would say Amazon pretty much has everything. <laughs> I would say Amazon does not have an A's crystal ball. But if any of our fans, one of the things that we're going to do, because this studio that I've built is pretty large, and the walls that are to my right, if you're looking to my right, We're going to do a whole thing with fans and allow you to send us stuff, and we're going to have a fan wall and let you be interactive with this show, especially now that we've, you know, this is our super soft launch here that you're getting on on Twitter. How's it looking? I think it looks good. The stream's been holding. I mean, I think it's great. We have people watching. Did you tell people we were on? I mean, it's out on Twitter. I mean, I I really don't know who to. Who to text about it? I mean, That's mo- all right. Our our P ones or diehards are already watching and listening, so I'm sure they're watching. I looked up some crystal balls on Amazon. So he- here's what we do: we get a crystal ball, fifty five dollars on Amazon, and then we put an A sticker on it. That we could call it our A's crystal ball. That was my suggestion to do that. That's probably going to save money. Uh, so I don't have the crystal ball on Frankie Montas. 
I don't have it. Because I get, I'm getting callers right now on the postgame show going, hey, Townie, what happens if they win? And I have to, you know, I got to reserve judgment. And I'm happy. I'm ecstatic. I mean, today, you kidding me? But, okay, I mean, they're not going to trade Frankie Montas. You know, because I got callers saying, will they add at the trading deadline? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, but who knows? We had a marketing meeting today. And guess what got brought up in the marketing meeting today? 2012, I remember 2012, I went with the team to Tokyo, and I'm sitting there at the Tokyo Dome, and I'm like, this team is awful. And that team was. Now they started making moves and got hot in in June, but teams can stink. I mean, the Washington Nationals who recently won the World Series stunk in the first half. The Atlanta Braves who won the World Series last year weren't very good in the first half. That was all Mets. If you go back to last season, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm supposed to have this guy to my right who has this information. But if you went the first half, and not the all-star break, we'll just count the real first half, right? First 81 games. I would say the Mets led the majority of the time. That's correct. The Braves went over 500 until August. And then there was a point where the Phillies were in there. Yeah, they, they collapsed. Like normal. But they were there was like a flip-flop going on between Philly, Phillies and Mets, and then Braves, and then the rest is history. Yeah, the Braves weren't over 500 until till August, and then they took off So without their best player. A good start right now is, is what it's all about. And start racking up victories. I mean, if you win – I mean, think about that. If the A's win this series, because we're not on over the weekend, I'll be doing A's Total Access and the A's Clubhouse show over the weekend. Um, but we won't be back till we're on the field for opening day against the Orioles. My God, they take this series? The excitement that's going to be around this team? Like, even my giant friends are like, huh, wow, you guys took three or four from Tampa? You're four and three on the year? That's it. People expected one and nine, oh and ten road trip. Maybe you get the games Frankie pitches. I mean, that's what the expectations were. And now the expectations are totally different. Opening day read, please. Baseball's back and the start of the twenty twenty two regular season is just around the corner. Join us at the Oakland Coliseum for opening night when the Green and Gold take on the Baltimore Orioles Monday, April eighteenth. Fans also get a Let's Go Oakland rally towel presented by Kaiser Permanente on opening night. Get your tickets for Monday, April 18th, starting at just $15. Buy today at athletics.com. That's athletics.com. A lot of people are getting excited. And today, obviously, is one of the special days in baseball, too, as kind of one of the – I'm not sure how much this played into getting the deal done. But you did not want to skip Jackie Robinson Day on the 75th anniversary of him breaking the color barrier. Like, there's bad looks, and then there's really bad looks. And that would have been a really, really bad look. I think for a lot of people, a lot of you younger folk out there, we love you to death, but I don't think you really understand the magnitude of Jackie Robinson 
I, 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 I say this every year. I think we do a really bad job with this baseball and the United States of America. One, because we now have made it just all about one guy, and there were a lot of players who did exactly what Jackie did too, and I guarantee you if Jackie Robinson was still alive, he would want those guys to also be the faces of this. If I was to ask you, Cody, who was the second player to integrate in Major League Baseball in the American League just months after Jackie? I mean, I know the answer, but a lot of people wouldn't. They don't. A lot of these players that are sitting there, I've seen videos today, and they talk about Jackie Robinson. If you asked them, who's Larry Doby, they'd have no idea. And this guy's – Larry Doby's career as a player, as a manager – as somebody who was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, seven-time All-Star, World Series champion, a two-time American League home run leader. He's in the, God, they have it, the Guardians Hall of Fame now. It's uh, he's, he's a Cleveland Indian. Uh, his number is retired. I mean, you look at his life, Larry Doby. Was the second, I'm just going to read right off his Wikipedia page, was the second black player to break baseball's color barrier and the first player in the American League from South Carolina. Da, 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 da. 1947, three months after Jackie Robinson made history. So he's just three months. Not like three years. Not like a year. He's three months after Jackie Robinson. So everything Jackie went through and made the, you know, we've, celebrated it obviously but Larry Doby Larry Doby did the same thing in the American League so all the horrible things that Jackie went through and survived and overcame and helped change our country and I do say country not baseball our country Larry Doby did the same thing and we I guarantee if I walked into all these clubhouses today and said who is the second guy that came three three months later no clue there's an, there's one other one too. I I knew the answer, but it was actually a question on Jeopardy a few weeks ago. And final Jeopardy, who was the first African American pitcher to pitch in the World Series? Well, I know. Yeah, but a lot of people would know. It's the answer, is Satchel Paige in nineteen. I wouldn't have known forty seven or forty eight. It was with Cleveland. I wouldn't have known that unless you told me. Yeah, but, yeah. but that's who it was. Like I I kind of I figured that's when Satchel was really at the height of his powers. Although he was a little older then. Because remember, he pitched when he was like in his late 50s in the major leagues at one point. But he was the first African-American pitcher to pitch in the World Series. Larry Doby was also the second African-American to be a manager in Major League Baseball. So he, he was breaking barriers constantly. Something you need to know about Jackie. Let's get away from baseball. I got a little family history. I always like to bring this up. Jackie Robinson in his very first at-bat. Very first time at the plate. Grounded out to my grandfather, Bob Elliott. You can look him up, the 1947 Most Valuable Player. And I wish my grandma was alive because she could talk about the story. But, yeah, that was a big to-do, Jackie Robinson playing. And let's face it, there was a lot of players that weren't thrilled that Jackie Robinson was playing. But, yeah, he grounded out to my grandfather. And if you see the movie 42, you'll see my grandfather's name in the lineup card and everything. But the number one thing is that Jackie Robinson helped integrate life. Let's not even talk about baseball. Baseball's baseball. Baseball back then that had more meaning in our country. 
but it helped in- integrate the military. A lot of people don't know this. Baseball integrated before our, our military did. Jackie helped with that. Schools, kids. The influence of Jackie Robinson. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I couldn't have done what I was able to accomplish without Jackie Robinson. Think about that. Think about what Martin Luther King meant and still means today in American culture. And he said, if it wasn't for Jackie Robinson, I couldn't have done everything that I was able to do. That is how important Jackie Robinson is. It's not a number. It's not, you know, it's not a statue. They had some type of 42 thing today in New York. I don't know what that was. I saw some highlights of it. I have have a clip from Rob Manfred talking about the. We can get to it after you're done, but him talking about the unifying power of Jackie Robinson to help the game and everything else. It was- uh, it's it's far it's see this is it, it's I guess I get more historical about it because it, it's far bigger than baseball. It's far bigger than no one wears 42 anymore. It's far bigger than we have one day a year everybody wears 42. It's far bigger than that. Now I'm glad this is this is the platform though that we can honor him. But in this country, what Jackie Robinson did is so far beyond sports. It, it changed, it changed the United States of America. And when when the United States of America changes, the world changes. It's true. The influence that our country has on other countries is immense. So we celebrate this man today, and we should celebrate him for far more than. Just baseball. The man helped create change in our country and in the world. Let's hear from the commissioner of baseball, Rod Manfred. And right after that, we'll get to Dan Schulman of the Toronto Blue Jays. Use the right word, unifying. Um, I think it's important in the wake of the winter that we had uh, that, that, that baseball be unified. I think if there's maybe any single thing, any thought around our game that's more unifying, it's the legacy of Jackie Robinson. And, you know, I said it to um, Sonia, one of the Robinson family members, and said, you know, the great thing about it, um, you never have to worry about players participating on Jackie Robinson. Day. Right. And, you know, it's that unifying force that I think the game does need right now. You know, one of the, one of the things that's happened in the last couple of years, too, is the freedom of the uniform. You loosened up the restrictions on, hey, you can put color on shoes, you can put, we're going to see a lot of Jackie's pictures, names, all kinds of different things. How important has that been in moving the game forward? We have a player day, they pick their own name. Yeah. How important has that been? Look, I think that fans um, want to know more about players beyond the greatness and the athleticism that they see on the field. Who are these people? What do they stand for? What do they care about? And I think, um, you know, we've tried to loosen some of our. I don't know what happened there, but that clip looked longer than I thought it would. But, but yeah, I mean, Commissioner Manfred spoke with uh, Greg Amesinger and Harold Reynolds for about eight minutes, I think it was, on their show this morning about Jackie Robinson and his impact on the game. They were there for a dedication. Yeah. Well, 25, uh, 25 years ago today was the uh, they re- they retired the jersey number forty two, um, and it's going to no, be no, it, there was they're a doing de- something at, at City Field. Um, 
I forget I forget what it is. And then Jackie's wife, Rachel, will be at Dodger. I think she's going to be at Dodger Stadium today. Oh, it was Jackie Robinson Way was unveiled today for the 75th anniversary. And okay. They, and they have a 42. So 75 years. Da, 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 da. The city of New York on Friday honored his legacy with temporarily renaming 42nd Street and Broadway in Manhattan, Jackie Robinson Way. So temporarily. Yeah, and they're doing uh, they're doing a ceremony, or they did do a ceremony because the Mets are playing right now. Uh, Jackie and obviously the Dodgers will do something as well. His his wife Rachel is going to be a hundred this year. Amazing. It it really is, and you know the hat I have on is the hat we got. I think. Last year, two year, twenty nineteen of um, with the Jackie Robinson uh, forty two on it, um, and I have a hat from Baseballism that's number forty two as well. Um, just the the impact that Jackie's had on the game, and you know, I I implore people to watch the movie forty two with the late Chad Chadwick Boseman. It's a very good movie, and I like how King Griffey Jr., who is somebody that during his career, Griffey was. Played with the kid, you know, he was the kid. That enthusiasm and everything, but Griffey never wanted to get involved in anything. Griffey liked being Griffey, and he was very protected in the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, once he went to Cincinnati, that kind of got out of our realm. But Griffey was never somebody that was really a, was ever going to be a part of a movement. I mean, he his movement was wearing his hat backwards, and we're gonna have fun and be different. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, now, as an older statesman, now as a baseball Hall of Famer, he wants to be a part of this and to have truly one of the great players of his time. I mean, Griff's as good as anybody, right? To have somebody like King Griffey Jr. Now, kind of, we're gonna, we need somebody. To carry this on on a consistent basis, that's going to do a lot of interviews and it's going to show up and going to talk. And King Griffey Jr. is the perfect guy. I mean, he's so recognizable. He is, like I said, truly one of the great players of his time. And, you know, this is something Ken wouldn't have done as a player, but the fact that he's doing it now I think is really cool. And uh, Commissioner Manfred also spoke on this. Uh, I could play it. He talked about how it was Bud Sealing and Ken Griffey Jr. who wanted to uh, retire the number 40, number 42. Well, you know, it's important to talk about the originator and the one who really drove the idea. The originator was Ken Griffey, really. I, Bud got the idea from Ken. Um, he was interested in wearing number 42. Um, good for him. I mean, just a great thought. But um, Bud knew a good idea when he saw one, yeah. and uh, he really drove the idea forward. It was such a unique thing in baseball, the idea of re retiring a number league-wide and having all the players ride it. And uh, Bud was a champion of it because he really understood the role of Jackie Robinson, not only in baseball, but in American history. I'm going to let that one go. <laughs> I saw your the face. The All-Star game is going to decide the home field. Okay, all right. The game ends in a tie. <laughs> Everybody else, you want to look at playoff formats. You want to look at rules you want to look everybody nfl nba nhl they all did stuff and then baseball would copy it all years later interleague play interleague play remember when interleague play like oh we're actually we're gonna have teams play other teams that never play this is the 25th anniversary of interleague play starting <laughs> hmm. 
So um, last time I checked, like the Boston Celtics would play the Lakers every year, right? That's, that was a pretty big rivalry, Magic okay. and right. Larry. Or I mean, I mean that the Niners, you know, the Niners could play the Miami Dolphins during the regular season. They didn't have a thing called interleague play, expanded playoffs. By the way, when's expanded playoffs ever failed? It hasn't. No, you got to tell me they're not making any money with that NCAA tournament, right? Because they need to stay at 32, not 64. Wait a minute, 64, we got all these playing games. It's 68. more than 64. 68 now. They're losing CBS is losing money on that deal, right? Yeah, NBA has a play-in tournament that's concluding tonight. The NBA, by the way, has been influenced by college basketball. They got to play. They got play. It was a playing game the other night. It was who? It was, I was uh, watching it last night. So it was, um, it was Nets and Cavs in the East. I was, was watching that, uh, New Orleans and the Spurs. Yeah, that, so that was a 9-10 matchup. So the 7-8 and eight play, and the winner of that plays the number two seed. So they're in. And then the loser of the this 7-8 matchup plays the winner of the 9-10 game. So tonight it's Pelicans and uh, Clippers, and then it's um, – Okay, that's enough. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember. That shows you baseball was behind all the other sports. All the other sports. Where baseball was first king was Jackie Robinson 75 years ago breaking the color barrier. After that, everybody else jumped in the pool, playoff formats, rule changes, all this kind of stuff, and baseball always just kind of dipped their toe in it. So Bud Selig knew when Bud saw a good idea, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, I'm not even going to go there. Because, I mean, there was a guy who was the commissioner during the – Steroid era? I believe he's a Hall of Famer, right? Steroid era? Who's the commissioner during what we call the steroid era? All righty. But we will celebrate Jackie Robinson all around Major League Baseball. Have we had any games yet today? I mean, yeah, the Mets were the Mets were playing earlier against. They had uh, a Friday. Was it? Is it? They're open. See, I forget. It's the Mets home opener, I believe. Yeah. See, I forget. Like normally, there's never a day game on Fridays, but we're still at the beginning of the. Start of the season, so we can have some early uh, games. Mets beat the beat our our buddy Tory Lavelle and the D backs ten three. Chris Bassett's now two and zero for the Mets. And then there's another game in process. It's the Twins shellacking the Red Sox six one. Byron Buxton got hurt in the game. That's or, right, sliding or a sliding catch. Yeah, sliding into second base. Seven games in, he's already hurt. Mm-hmm. That's a hundred million dollars right there. So I get done doing the post game show. Eight three three six two five two two seven eight. And I'm like, I'm going to go up to Cinnabar Hills where I play golf, get a couple holes in. Rain's coming down, right? It's sprinkling. I know in Oakland it was pouring. It was. I was there yesterday. So, like, I don't even know if we would have got a game in yesterday. So, I, I raced the rain to the course. And so, I put on Sirius XM, MLB channel, and I'm listening to – I want to hear Yankees-Blue Jays. I'm interested in it. Obviously, A's are going to be taking on the Blue Jays, so I wanted to hear how things were going. And immediately, it's uh, Susan Walden, and she's doing Rain Delay Theater. And she can't, and it's very obvious she doesn't like doing Rain Delay Theater. She couldn't. She, did, she, pulled, she pulled a Ken Korak. If you don't know... Um, and you'll ever notice this, if there's literally any moisture in the air, Ken Korak is ready to throw it back to the studio. 
I mean, if there's a drop, if there's like a couple drops, it's like, oh, hey, we're going to have to throw it back to the studio. Next thing you know, my phone's ringing. It's rain delay. Oh, my God, we're about to go into rain delay. We fix that with Ace Cast now. But for years, if there was a drop of rain, there was panic and my, my phone would be blowing up because certain broadcasters are not into rain delay theater. So Susan obviously wanted no part of this, throws it back to the studio, and a guy's talking like I know his voice, but I don't know who he is. And there is panic among Yankee fans, which makes me want to listen more to Yankees broadcast. There's panic about Garrett Cole. Because ever since the whole Josh Donaldson calling out Garrett Cole and Garrett Cole having, it would at least, I mean, there's been so many press conferences in Major League Baseball history, but it would have to go down as a top 10 all-time most awkward press conferences in the history of the game. That he was literally asked about, do you use spider attack? And he would not answer it. And at one point just wouldn't talk. It's a press conference. You have a microphone in you, a microphone in front of you. He would not talk. He did not want to answer the question. Because everybody knew the answer. I mean, it's like that little kid who's caught and he's not going to say anything. Top 10 all time. Awkward. Oh, yeah. Uh, when he was asked about it, what was he? Uh, um, uh, um, it was really awkward. But um, I went back and not to – that was no pun intended with the um there to, towards Garrett Cole. I went back and looked at Garrett Cole's numbers since they cracked down on the uh, sticky stuff June 21st of 2021. Garrett Cole started on June 22nd. It's from June 22nd till the end of the season. He won 8-5. With a 4-1-2 ERA, 126 strikeouts, and 29 walks over that span. He's 0-0 this year with a 5.59 ERA and nine strikeouts over nine and two-thirds innings pitched. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Since the spider tack – now, these are all going to be Yankees numbers, right? Signs as a free agent, leaves Houston. We were in San Diego for the winter meetings when that was announced. That was the, – the crackdown was – 21 or 22? Oh, yeah, not 22. It was, it was, it was last year, 19 yeah. or – I should say, is it 2019 or – it was 2020? It was 2021. They started it last year. June 21st like, is when they started enforcing it. wasn't the COVID it. year. It was last year. Yeah, it was when they started They started enforcing it. When I looked up the day, it was June 21st Have you noticed year. the last couple of years because the COVID year was so sh- – like everything's kind of just blended together? A little bit, yes. I, I catch myself saying that the, dif- the different like, years. Like I, I have the cardboard cutout of me over here, and it's kind of like, when was that? Boy, that was 2020. All right. So give me those numbers again. It was since June 22nd of last year, a day after okay. they started. Eight and five. That's not bad. Four one two ERA. And eh, not bad. One hundred twenty six Ks. Not bad. Twenty nine walks. Not bad. He's this year, no wins, no losses. A five fifty nine ERA, nine strikeouts, and nine and two thirds. Now, with everything that you gave me, do you want to know what the problem is? Um, as Billy Bean said, in Moneyball, you're not even looking at the problem. What's the problem then? He's making $36 million a year. Oh, that elephant in the room. He's making 36 this year, next year, 24, 25, 26, 27, 
2028. 2028 A's fans. I know. We haven't paid anybody. I get it. You're going to be paying Garrett Cole in 2028 at 37 years old, $36 million. I know it probably won't sound like a lot of money then, but he is not that guy. Think about that. And that's what they – and it, it would end up being Sweeney Murray, friend of, the, friend of the program, WFAN, that I was listening to. And Sweeney was like, no spider tack. This guy's getting paid to win – I mean – New York, you signed to be the highest-paid pitcher. They expect you to win not some of your games, not most of your games. They want you to win every game. So that's why I say he's 8-5 and five with a 4.12. Eh, all right. If you're making $12 million, not at 36. He's making 36. This is going to go down again as a disaster contract. It's going to be a disaster. I don't even know. I mean, has any of these contracts? Because when you look at guys who made the average, the high average of a year and had big years, they didn't necessarily have long-term deals. Like what what Arizona was paying Randy Johnson, he was living up to the billing, but he didn't have a 10-year deal. Bonds was making good money. Bonds didn't have a long-term contract. Maddox at one point. I mean, you go back to those guys. They didn't have 10 years, you know, eight, 10-year contracts. So their average per year was high, but they didn't have long-term deals. You're now paying Garrett Cole, who's now just 31. You're paying him until he's 37. Have any? Can we name one of those deals that's worked out? No, not really. Um, Pool holes didn't. Trout, greatest Trout is, he hasn't been healthy for two years. True. Right? Mookie Betts. He's only in year, this is year three of the deal? Mookie Betts, long-term deal, big deal. Helped him win a World Series. Great. That was a short COVID season. His numbers weren't great last year. He didn't play like a $300 million player last year. Francisco Lindor, terrible. 300 million? That's what you got for 300 million? Fernando Tatis Jr., 300 plus million? Guy hasn't been healthy. He's not even playing now. Who knows when you're going to see him? Machado. Machado's played well. But we got a long way to go on that deal. Harper, he's played well. Team hasn't, but he's played well. Long way to go. Uh, we, who are we forgetting? I broke down these contracts. There's, uh, oh, There's John, John Carlo Stanton. How's that working out? What, what 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 have you gotten out of John Carlos Stanton for that kind of money? I mean, why are we so into like we got to pay this guy and we got to pay that guy? Why? Unless you're getting him at the right age. If you're getting the guy at the right age, then I say yes. You're paying for his prime years. I'm in. But so much of that you're not, and these contracts for the most part they don't work out. A lot of these contracts do not work out. And Garrett Cole is just going to be another one of those long like you're paying you're paying I can bring a guy up from AAA right now named John Doe. He's we brought him back. We brought John Doe back to life. I can get him to go 8 and 5 with a 4.12 ERA. Now you're still bringing in John Doe is still one of the best pitchers in the world. Remember, guys in AAA are still one of the best pitchers in the world. 
just not in a, just don't look at their numbers in the Pacific Coast League. We forget <laughs> about that. We forget that guys in AAA and guys in AA are still some of the best arms in the world. They throw 97-98-2. Hell, last year Cody and I were down there for Stockton San Jose Giants. San Jose Giants had all kinds of arms. They still do. <laughs> I went there the other day. They still have arms. Yeah, they had one kid came out of one kid one kid came out of the Giants bullpen, the San Jose Giants bullpen. He was pumping 98. That's why I always laugh when broadcasters who have never played squat but all of a sudden, because they've been calling games, they think they know. They'd be like, well, you know, there's such a huge difference between A-ball and big. And they, get, they got guys in A-ball who are better defenders than guys in the big leagues. They got guys in A-ball who throw harder than guys in the big leagues. Don't kid yourself. Now, big league baseball obviously is the highest level. But if you don't think there's talent down there that has major league style talent. So when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was hitting in the minor leagues, you don't think he was a big league a talent, right? King Griffey Jr. at 18 years old, hitting in the minor leagues, was better in the minor leagues at 18 years old, was better than probably 80% of the guys in the big leagues. Or A-Rod. Don't kid yourself. Yeah, the big league's highest level there, but don't kid yourself. There's talent down there. And there's overrated. Garrett Cole, do we have to go over his career? And now without the spider tech, he clearly is not the same guy. Don't you dare slander Pirates legend Garrett Cole. You can slander Yankees and Astros all you want. But actually, he, he was actually pretty good in Houston. Well, then again, we don't know what, we don't know what he was doing. Spider Yeah, We don't know what he's doing in, uh, in Houston. And, and, now, and, and, and who was calling him out during that time? Uh, that'd be Trevor Bauer was calling him out for it. And that, my former college teammate. So he would know. I mean, who would know better than him? Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is like the um, the modern day Jose Canseco. Now, I don't want to say everybody hated Jose because I think a lot of a lot of people who played with him, no one had a problem with Jose, right? I remember. I mean, speaking of uh, birds of a feather, Bonds and Jose were cool. Like, I think, I think, I think the, I think, I think, I think uh, Jose helped Barry a little bit. But Trevor Bauer is kind of a pariah, let's be honest. But kind of like Jose, Bauer was telling the truth. I mean, Bauer was telling you, hey, things are going on in Houston. Why are these guys – we can look at the numbers. Why are guys' numbers changing when they get to Houston? Well, was – didn't it come out that Houston had who who was that might have been the actually now that I think about it, might have been the Angels. Somebody at a clubhouse guy who had the secret who came up with some type of let's just call it rosin sunscreen and he had something that he was giving the players and the players loved. It was a, it was the Angels. And that guy and, and the reason why that got that guy would do that is because he's getting tipped out. He didn't give a crap about the Angels in the other clubhouse. He's getting tipped out by the by the other team's players. But yeah, Trevor Bauer basically insinuated that Houston is using something to make their make their pitches better. And it's not skill. It's not oh, Brent Strom as a pitching coach sees, you know, he's using utilizing grips and it's arm slots or no. Trevor Bauer said it. They've got something going on. 
and clearly they had something going on for the hitters. So if they were cheating like hell is with hitters, why would they not be cheating like hell with their pitchers? Shocker? Does that shock anybody? Doesn't shock me. Nope. Doesn't shock at all. But I don't hate on that. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. One hundy, as they like to say, as the kids call it. I'm going to be one hundy with you. So what they say, oh, I need the emoji for you to, to believe that's true. The 100 emoji. The one, the one, I'm going to be one hundy. Here's what bothers me. Can you name me another sport? Once again, how baseball is archaic, unfortunately. Whenever I bring up this try this stuff, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to I'm trying to make baseball modern. I'm trying to help the game. I love this game. This game is my life, a big part of my life. I want to help this game. Are there in other team sports? Because you can't. Oh, we could talk. It's hard to do with tennis and golf because it's an individual sport. But let's just stick with the team sports. Is there anything in the NFL, the NBA, or hockey that offensive players can use but defensive players can't? In hockey? It's a good question, but I don't think so. I mean, are their sticks really different? Probably not. Their pads all look the same. Their helmets all look the same. No, your stick could be longer as a defenseman. Yeah. yeah. But no, does your stick is it different? Most likely not. Is it made out of a different substance? Probably not. Is the tape that you're using on your stick in hockey different than the offensive guys? I would say probably not. Okay. I worked for years in the NFL, been in a lot of NFL locker rooms. Last time I checked, it is standard the gear for all players. Did you know that? No, because I thought you're talking about gear like everything? Gear. Helmets, shoulder pads. Shoulder pads may be different size. Offensive line yeah. is going to be different from a quarterback, but everybody's gear is its the gear you want to wear. If you're a quarterback, you can wear offensive lineman pads if you wanted. There's no rule against that. The pads that you wear, that you put inside your pants, the uh, the rib protectors, all the stuff, the stuff that you got for your hands, everything is approved by the National Football League. It's all the same. This gets to my point. If you look at the NFL and everybody on the everybody on both sides of the ball, they're all using the same gear. Why is it? And Chris Rose, I'll never forget this. Totally disagreed with me, and I went. I usually really agree with Chris Rose, but I went. I don't think he's really thinking about this. We in baseball tell offensive players that they can use stuff, and then we sell pitchers the exact same substances that players are using on offense that you can't use on defense, because a pitcher is defense. Uh, yes. Yes. Pitcher is defense, I, I, right? Yes, one hundred percent. So he's not he's not swinging the bat up there. So I can use pine pine tar as an offensive player, but I can't use pine tar as a defensive player. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. That I'm with you more and more every time you bring it up about how hitters get to have all these advantages with batting like, gloves. Like, and, like what, 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 what advantage does the offense get from a standpoint of 
on in the NFL or football, what does the offense get that the defense doesn't get? Do you get special pads on offense? Do you get special? They've outlawed the 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 Fred Bolitnikoff and stick the stick them, stick them. But every, all of these gloves though look like they're stick them. <laughs> but I can tell you right now, in an NFL locker room, there's bins, and everybody can pick out of the same gloves. Everybody can pick all the same stuff. The spray that the NFL guys, defensive backs, can put the same spray as the offense wide receivers. Mm-hmm. That's my point. You're telling me I can wear batting gloves, I can have stick them on my bat, I can have tape on my bat, I can have a spray on my bat, I can carve the handle on my bat. I can do all these different things, but I can't put anything on the baseball as a pitcher. Eno Saris honestly tried to say, this is worse than the steroid era, his article. Remember that? Yeah. This is worse than the steroid era. How is So you're telling one group of players that they can do one thing, and then when the pitchers want to do the exact same thing that the pitcher that the hitters are doing, you're telling that that's illegal and you can't do that. And we're going to suspend you for doing it. I can't put pine tar on the ball, but you can put it on your bat. The only thing fair would be nobody gets anything. Nobody gets anything. We don't rub up the baseballs. You can't have batting gloves. You can't have pine tar. You can't have anything. Bat's got to be clean. Baseball has to be clean. That is the only way. You either got to let it all or none. I agree. And in, I, in my opinion. In my opinion. I, I don't like this. Because you asked me yesterday, well, you know, what's, you know, what are you more worried about, pitching or hitting right now? It's the pitching. Look how bad the, the, the pitchers have become. Like, some of these guys they don't use they don't have the sticky stuff. Okay, first of all, I did not ask. That was that was a question that was asked by the Yankees oh. for the rain delay theater. It was not for you oh, to well, answer. Well, he sent it to me, so I figured I'd answer anyway. I'm more worried about pitching than hitting right now. Sports talk guy. No, that was what they were talking about. They're like Yankees. Are you more worried about the pitching or the hitting? It's rain delay. You needed phone. The WFAN needed phone calls. I don't. I wish I knew the number. Eight eight eight. Whatever WFAN's call. Hey, yo, hey, hey, it's Tommy from the Bronx. Yeah, my, my problem is that spite attack, huh? And where's Jeter? Well, bring Jeter back. That's my bad New York Yankees uh, accent. Or, but, just, or just New York overall. But that, 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 that fries me. Like, you can't use any substance and you're worried about the integrity of the game. Oh, by the way, you, wanna, you want the old integrity of the game has really been challenged? Oh, we're also worried about the integrity of the game. But yet, we keep throwing position players out there to pitch. No, please stop. We have all these – how many guys are in the bullpen right now? And yet, we have to throw a guy out there to pitch. Out of, that's Brett Phillips is a cool story. It's cool when he did it. But not when right now when the, the, there's how many guys in the bullpen with the expanded rosters? I don't know what this answer is. How many teams have already used a position player as a pitcher? I'm pretty sure Bob Melvin used one the other day against the oh, Giants. Yeah, San Diego's used one. So, that's two already. Ten, um I, there's been multiple teams. I'd have to. There's. I think there's an easily searchable thing on Baseball Reference. You can see how many position players have pitched already. But we're worried about the integrity of the game. Why do we add these roster spots? We we added them for pitchers, not to bring position way, players in. You can't steal a base in the second inning because of the score. Unwritten rules. But ah, game's out. Ah, put a put a position player out there to pitch. It's amazing when people want to fight for the integrity, when they want to fight for the integrity of the game. It's cra- Do you know what? It's crazy. It's crazy. 
And we're calling all that crap out here on A's Cast Live. We're going to worry about the We're going to worry about when a guy bunts or steals a base. And that's when we're going to stick up for the game because that's how Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle played it. By the way, I don't think they really used position players as pitchers back then. Yeah, well, Babe Ruth doesn't count, but uh, yeah, they didn't. I mean, plus pitchers went nine innings. They didn't. Isn't, that, isn't that amazing when we want to talk about integrity? When we want to use integrity and when we don't. By the way, I the number one thing I want to get into today, I've been holding back because of Elvis. Yeah, I'm still waiting. Uh, we don't have him yet. I just texted. I said if we need to push him back. Um, she said he's still going right now for his workout. Um, so uh, if we have to, we can push Stu back to 145, uh, take you behind the curtain. We taped Stu about an hour ago. So we can at least do that. But what what is the thing you wanted to get into? Because I'm sure we can get into it. We could probably talk to Elvis about it when he comes on. Yeah, it, it, it happened last night in the Giants-Padres game. And I'll ask Stu about, about it. And obviously – there, there's a couple ways to look at unwritten rules. And one of the things that I do like about baseball and hockey is the fact that these two sports can police themselves without having umpires and referees do it and without having commissioners and throwing down suspensions, and the bottom line is the players can police themselves at times. They can get out of hand, and that's when you need the commissioner's office and that kind of stuff to to, to pop in. But the whole unwritten rule thing about Team A is getting their butt handed to them. Team B has to stop playing the game because of it. Happened last night early. Giants got out to a big lead. And next thing you know, there's a stolen base. Next thing you know, there's a bunt. Next thing you know, the Padres dugout is not happy. Our old buddy Bob Melvin is caught on camera saying some choice words, all that kind of stuff. And here we are a week into the season, and we're in the unwritten rules. And for some reason, baseball developed, and we don't even know when. We don't know when baseball said, hey, listen, you've got to stop trying to do things when you're up X amount of runs. They don't even give you what that is, by the way. We don't even, we don't know when the rules started. We don't know how the rules were addressed. We don't know. We don't know what the number is that says you have to stop trying. Is it 10 runs? Is it 15 runs? Is it 8 runs? When can I not steal? And what's so odd about this is that we still have people living by these rules despite these rules are not going hand-in-hand with the way modern-day baseball goes. Because back in the day, you could have these rules – of, hey, the other team was up big, kind of stopped playing 100%, because back then you didn't get paid on your numbers. 
Back then, there wasn't free agency. Back then, there wasn't arbitration. Back then, they just held your rights for as long as they wanted to hold your rights. They had you as long as they wanted to have you. So that thing didn't come into play. Compared to now, it's a completely different deal. Now it is, yeah, every little thing that you do in this game is registered. Every hit, every stolen base, every run scored, every home run. And think about it. It doesn't matter. When you go to arbitration, when you go to arbitration, it doesn't say, well, you had X amount of home runs, and those those home runs, well, it may say in some guys' case now that I think about it. But for the most part, they take your total of your numbers, and they and that's what you're negotiating on. So, like last night, if I'm a if I'm a giant or a padre, and I hit a home run in this game, this lopsided game, that's going to count towards my season totals. That's what I'm in. My arbitration, my free agency is going to be negotiated based off my totals. You only get so many at-bats. You only get so many chances to, to, to put stats on the board, and you're now telling players who get paid based off those numbers to stop trying. Now, the other team who's getting their ass kicked, they don't stop trying. They still try and claw back into this thing. But the team that is ahead, for some reason, there's this unwritten rule that you're supposed to stop trying. Now, whether you agree with that or not, here's one thing I think we can all agree on. It's the fans. The fans pay a lot of money to go to games. If I paid, I'm going to say $75. If I paid $75 to go to the game, I paid $30 to park, I'm now in over 100 bucks, and now food, beverages, maybe some merch, it's an expensive night. And you're telling me as a fan that by the second inning, because the Padres are getting drilled by the Giants, that I've paid X amount of 100. That's for one seat. So let's say I have two seats, four seats. I've paid a lot of money to come to this game, and you're telling me that one team is supposed to stop playing 100% and I've paid all this money? For some reason, I think that's wrong. You owe it to the fans. This is the entertainment business. You owe it to the fans that everybody keeps trying to entertain me. And your job is to entertain me for nine innings, and I don't care if the other team feels all butthurt that they're getting drilled. That's their fault, not mine. Counselor, I'll let you have the rebuttal if if you want. I don't disagree with anything you said. We talked about this before we came on that, I I don't I hate these unwritten rules arguments. And a uh, quick update: Elvis is going to call us at one forty-five, so we can play Stu here in a few minutes, and then get to Elvis on at one forty-five. Um, I I don't like these unwritten rules. I like I I think like yeah it it son it sucks that it was Bob that it was, happened to last night, but the Padres also did this last year with the three zero Fernando Tatis play, and that happened where he swung and hit the grand slam on the three zero pitch. I, I'm just tired of hearing about it. Like, what other sport do we hear about unwritten rules? Like, like you mentioned earlier, um, do, do people complain when the 49ers are throwing the ball when they're up big in the third quarter or when Steph Curry's shooting threes up 20? No, no one complains. So if a guy drops on a bunt 
to break up a no hitter. I don't care. You want it. You're, it's a competitive advantage, and as you said, it it counts towards their stats towards the end of the year. That's how they get paid. So when when Mauricio Dubon drops on a bunt, up what nine runs, I get like why you'd be upset because you're already winning, but you're trying to get on base. Like and Gabe Kapler spoke after the game and. He actually defended the player. I'll play it. But here's what Gabe Kapler had to say after the game about, you know, defending his players' uh, decisions. Stephen Duggar is still second in the second inning, up 10, and then what Mauricio Dubon did in the sixth. Uh, I fully support both of those decisions, um, support the decision that, that Duggar made, also support the decision that Dubon made to bunt right there. And our goal is not exclusively to win one game in a series. It's to try to win the entire series. So um, sometimes that means trying to get a little bit deeper into the opposition's pen. And I understand that that's, um, that many teams don't love that strategy. Um, and I get why. It's something that we talked about it as, as a club before the season and that we were comfortable going forward with that strategy. It's not to be disrespectful in any way. It's because we feel just very cool and strategic, it's the best way to try to, to win a series. So when I say cool, I mean like calm. It's not, we're not emotional about it. We're not trying to hurt anybody. We just want to um, score as many runs as possible, force the other pitcher to throw as many pitches as possible. And if other clubs decide that they want to do th- the same thing to us, we're not going to have any issue with it. At the same time, you spoke with Mauricio when you came off the field. Mm-hmm. What did you say? It's a great job. You know, way to try to get a base hit. Oh, absolutely not. Full one hundred percent support. The the pitchers are trying to get Mauricio out. Mauricio is trying to get on base. The the goal of baseball is to is to not make an out. I agree with everything Kapler said there. Kind of sound like the adult in the room. Yeah, I mean, you know, remember the thing about him, Philadelphia, and all that stuff about how he wasn't ready to manage on it. I mean, he's he says all the right things, and I'm not trying to tout the Giants and Gabe Kapler, but he is a friend of ours. We we know him pretty well. Uh, well, I say well, we talked to him once, but we know him pretty well. And he, right there, he said, he said, I fully supported what he did. I mean, that's where last year when Fernando Tatis swung, uh, Jace Tingler didn't have his back, essentially. It's like you want your manager to have your back, and that's exactly what Gabe Kapler did. Now, Mauricio Dubon spoke after the game, too, and he kept saying how he wasn't trying to disrespect anyone. And he mentioned it like nine times. He kept saying, I'm not trying to disrespect anyone. I was just trying to get on base. Yeah. And I get it. Like, I, And I get it. And then you saw, you know, there's a, you know, a bunch of different instances happen, which, you know, congratulations to Alyssa Nackinen to be the first female to manage on the field or be a coach on the field. That was great for the Giants last night. But I feel like it kind of is getting overshadowed by all this run-rip rules thing. Totally. And, you know, one of the things that I thought that was great about that was that, Eric Hosmer went over, shook her hand, said congratulations. And the fact that there wasn't a huge deal made about it, I think kind of shows you progress of where we are, where it was like, that's really a nice thing. It should be happening. Right? And we're going to see a lot more. There is no question about it. But, yeah, that's that's the biggest point here is that this stupid unwritten rule thing took down history. Because controversy will always take down what's right, what's good. I mean, having a female coach on the field for the first time during a Major League Baseball game should have been the number one story out of that game. Not that a guy stole a base up 10-1.
not that a guy dropped down a bunt for a base hit. It should have been that a female in uniform coaching as a father of daughters, that to me, history was made and history was not given its due because of something that's not written down. Like, there's a reason why laws are written down and they got to be voted on and they got to be passed because they're written down, they're written into law. I mean, just that was just the, the more you think about it, the more ridiculous yesterday that whole thing was. We did see something happen today that, you know, it was interesting. I know what, how many games in our way. Dodgers played six games, now, I believe, including today. Clayton Kershaw, perfect game through seven innings with 13 strikeouts. Dave Roberts pulled him out with 80 pitches. Now, I just hear the tone in your voice. You sound negative about that. I I mean, it's a perfect game. I'd leave him. If it's a no-hitter, he's already done that. Well, I just – now, first of all, I would normally 100% agree with you, but I'm going to play devil's advocate. You're somebody that doesn't care about the win. You're somebody that wants to vote on not having a 200-inning starter this year. Oh, no, I already put that out there. There won't be. Okay, so all that is what happened today is what – you're kind of into. Just, and uh, then now, here you are five games into the season, and you're going to be like, I can't believe they took somebody out for one game, one accomplishment. It's really just about winning the game. I mean, what side of the fence are we on here? The I think Jeff Passan put it best. No, no, I want. I don't want someone else. Well, I no, want you. I, I, for my thing, it's history. I mean, we've only seen 23 perfect games in the history of baseball. How many no-hitters have we seen? He's already done it. Perfect game. I don't care if it's game you one. You see where I'm going with it. Yes, but this is different. This is a historical thing. <laughs> see, this is what I love. I love. There's always an outlier. Are you exa- there, there's always the, oh, I don't care about innings pitched by starters. I don't care about the win. And then all of a sudden, Dave Roberts takes a guy out from a team you don't even care about, and you're disgusted. It's just amazing when we care about certain things and when we don't. But I agree. I think Clayton Kershaw is the type of player that has been around knows his body. And you got an opportunity to throw a perfect game. You write it till it bucks you. Exactly. And it's just, it's just, we, we, we have become a athletic society that's so into protecting that you have to wonder, it's almost like us as parents now. You know, how many times, this to me is a great example. How many times in your life did you go out and ride your bike with your buddies? This is for little boys, little girls. You, you rode the bike in the neighborhood. You hang out with the neighborhood kids. And the rule was come home when the street lights are on. You'd be gone all day long. Your parents didn't know exactly where you were. They knew you are in the neighborhood. But they didn't know where you are. But the streetlights came on, came on, you came home, and you push, you you would push that until, like, it was almost pitch dark, too, with the streetlights coming on. You would push that summertime, man. Nowadays, and I, do it with, I did it with my kids, and I'm sure a lot of you out there, if you're parents, you do it with your kids. You're like, where are they at all times? And I've heard people say, 
Well, the world's different now. Well, I mean, unless you could give me some FBI statistics saying that they're I don't, I don't know if there's more crazies now than there were back when we were growing up. Probably the ratio is probably pretty the same. But the whole point is we're now so overprotective. There is no orthopedic surgeon or something that we've heard a lot about since COVID started, the science. Where is the science that says if Clayton Kershaw continued today, he'd be in trouble? Where is the science? I mean, you're not going to do an MRI on his arm after this. You're not going to do any type of test. Where is the science that says if Clayton Kershaw pitched another 20, 30, 40 pitches that it would have been doom and gloom for the rest of the season? And I've had this question with uh, two different orthopedic surgeons, and their answer is, we don't have that science. We have come overprotected about everything in sports. In basketball, we're worried about minutes. So you're saying if a player was out on the floor in basketball two more minutes than he was normally, that we're now going to be in the danger zone? That if you play five more plays in an NFL game or you pitch one more in, I mean, it's ludicrous what we're doing these days. And the other thing that drives me nuts as an A's fan, when we talk about protecting guys, and I said this about Sonny Gray, so I'm pretty consistent on this because when's the last time Sonny Gray was here? 2017, I want to say. Long time ago. Remember what I was saying if you're a long-time listener? What did I used to say? What are we saving Sonny Gray for? Somebody else? And I was right. Why? Because you saved Sonny Gray's innings for the Yankees, the Reds, and now the Twins. Why not use him up while you got him? I, I Makes sense to me, right? Doesn't make sense to you. Like, why not use the players as much as we can while we got them if we're not keeping them long term? Why am I going to arrest a Matt Olson or a Matt Chapman? Well, you know, no, get as much out of the guy. A pitcher, if we got a pitcher and a pitcher's good, use him as many innings as you can. Now, I'm not trying to hurt a guy and overtax a guy, but I'm not going to baby him. Why? Why would I baby so he can last longer for somebody else? Clayton, how you feel? Let me ask you, Clayton, how you feel? Feel good. You think you can go another one? Yeah, I can. All right, you're back out there for the eighth. And then if you don't give up a hit, by the way, you do know if you give up a hit, I'm taking you out. I understand. Okay. So go out, pitch the eighth. You just got through the eighth. One, two, three. We're going to the ninth. Clayton, how you feel? I can go another. I mean. And we're not, we're not talking about Hunter Green here who throws 103 and he's never pitched before. I mean, and I'm not talking about a guy. I'm talking about a guy who's probably pitching a little bit of contact. I don't know how many Ks did he have in the game. 13. 13 strikeouts through seven innings. And he came out right now and said, blame it on the lockout. It was the right decision to take me out. So he has Dave Roberts' back, apparently. So, I mean, I guess that's good. But 13 strikeouts through seven innings, and you're facing, you know, you're not playing the Pirates or the Rocky. Well, the Rockies are actually playing really well. Or the Diamondbacks, who are the worst offense in baseball right now when it comes to batting average and OPS team-wise. You're facing Minnesota, who – could break their own record for home runs. They're, you know, they're expected to be a playoff team, and you're shutting them out through seven innings. And you get pulled out. Uh, I, 
again, you're talking about a you know a future Hall of Fame pitcher here. We're not talking about a guy that's making his major league debut. It's pretty ridiculous, Sean and I. I mean, it's just it's whatever. Um, but that's that's today's. I mean, it's like what do you what do you? We're saving Clayton for October. You have you have no clue what's going to happen by October. You have not. There is no, and 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 really, and really, this was this was something that I dealt with in the NBA. I was like, so you're telling me that holding a guy's minute minutes in January, you have proof by helping a guy out in minutes in January, will affect him months later. You have. And the answer by a doctor was no. There is no proof that holding a guy's innings now will help him later on. There's no scientific proof about his his tendons, his muscles, his ligaments. There's nothing to say that the ligaments in the elbow will be affected, will affect you in October what you're doing now. There's no scientific evidence. I'm not a fan of uh, load management, as they call it in the NBA. You've seen it a lot this year. It's kind of ridiculous the way they do it in the NBA. You don't see it. I mean, I, I someone just did a maintenance day the other day in baseball. Um, I believe this is what they called it. Um, was it baseball? Maybe it was hockey. But they used it. They called it a maintenance day, and I just didn't like the terming. You're sitting a guy. I don't care if it's, if it's a rest. Like the, the best example about load management this year has been Clay Thompson coming back from the two catastrophic injuries he's had. He doesn't play the front end of back-to-backs. Okay, fine. But, I mean, when you're sitting out him, Draymond Green, and four other guys, and you're throwing out guys from the G League to play in a game in a road city where they're playing against, you know, they're, they're playing against um, a team that only sees these guys once a year, that's where I have a problem with it. With baseball, like, what, what, are, we, what are we holding Clayton Kershaw back for? We I, know where he's going to be at the end of the year. Yeah, he's been hurt a little more later in his career. He's still a Hall of Fame pitcher. It's not a guy that's making his major league debut that you're worried that he doesn't have the innings. But it's not A.J. Puck. No, I'm not trying to throw A.J. under the bus, but it's not A.J. Puck making his first start or may, first start of the year after coming out of the bullpen and you want to protect him. This is Clayton freaking Kershaw we're talking about. Well, and, and, and to be fair, the whole thing of him being a future Hall of Famer really has nothing to do with it. I'm just saying he has the track record and the longevity. It still, that has nothing to do with it. What we're talking about is protecting an arm. And there's no science that says – what you do now is going to affect you in October. Do you think if there wasn't a lockout, he he would have got the chance to go the whole game? Does do, do, does does his arm know if there was a lockout or not? No. Do the ligaments? And I know this is getting maybe a little, but <laughs> do, do, does his muscles? His this is this is why it gets to be ridiculous. Does his ligaments? Does his muscles? Does anything in his body know that there was a lockout and a shortened spring training, even though these guys all were throwing during the lockout? Does his arm or body know that there was a lockout? No clue. Does does his arm or body have it, any idea that he is a f- future Hall of – just to show you how ridiculous this conversation is. Does his arm – does inside underneath his skin with the blood pumping and everything going, <laughs> does it know that he is a future Hall of Famer? No, the whole thing is ridiculous, right? It's like it's like with a running back. Uh, you know, we're going to limit his carries. It's going to be under twenty. 
because his body knows the difference. Now you can get hurt in football much easier. I get that. But does his body really know the difference between 16 carries and 21? No, and I was going to say it's what? The, all, the whole the whole speak, athletic speak about protecting guys is ridiculous. Shooty Babbitt. Shooty, we have you in the bushes. Cal Nate. What's up, soul brother? How are you doing? It's been a while. I miss you. Well, your, your cell phone don't reach deep down in the bushes where I am the last couple of weeks. So it's okay, though, but I'm doing fine. Um, everything is great. I'm glad to have the 2022 season back underway, man. And uh, it's just good to be back in baseball season. No doubt about it. And I was just talking about Ken Griffey and you as a scout know that uh, you talk about a guy coming out of high school, really him and A-Rod are the two guys you look at all time that you say, and I guess you could throw a guy like Mickey Mantle. We look at these guys, they're 18 years old, and they're already ready to be in the big leagues. But isn't that great that we're going to carry on this tradition of Jackie Robinson Day with King Griffey Jr. kind of leading the charge for Major League Baseball? It seems like such a great fit. I think it's a great move, a great gesture, especially the time that we're in right now, you know, with the diminished numbers of uh African-American players in our game. And you start talking about how Ken Griffey Jr. has been raised up in the game in the clubhouses and things of that nature. I wasn't blessed to be able to have a father who played in the game, but I was blessed to have a father that was working that was able to provide $25 for me to go out and get some stirrups and a belt and a two-tone T-shirt because they gave the jersey in the pants and to be lacing them up for Little League and for every year after that, Baseball has been all my life, and I'm in the position that I'm in today um, because of the game. So I'm extremely excited. Um, last year or two years ago, I was able to uh, get a chance to celebrate my 42nd year in the game, and it was a historical number because that 42 is everywhere that you go in Major League Stadium. So um, I'm as static as everyone else is, and, and I think it's a very great thing for our game. I mentioned earlier, and I think you know all about this from all your years in baseball, is that this right now is the land of opportunity. That would be the Oakland Athletics. And you got all these guys that should have chips on their shoulder. Doesn't matter what the media says. Doesn't matter what the national media says. Doesn't matter what the gamblers say or the fans say. It just matters inside that clubhouse. And I think of guys, whether you're talking about the veterans like Elvis or like Stephen Vogt or Jed Lowry, who are proving it, trying to prove they can still play. You got guys like Tony Kemp and Chad Pender who are being given the opportunity to play every day so they can prove that they can be that guy. And then you got other players that a lot of people think they shouldn't be in the big leagues. Whether you're talking about a Noisy or you're talking about a McKinney or you're like whoever, like all these guys, Aller, who's making his debut today. You got a bunch of guys, Shooty, in that ace clubhouse that are getting an opportunity, and can you make the most of it? And that's what's going to be interesting to watch here, especially in the first half of the season. What do you think about that? Well, I've always said um, on the pregame, on the radio, on your show, um, every year, this is the land of opportunity. You know, you can overkick your coverage and get paid, and it's okay because you've come up here and you've performed, and we know what happens. I mean, when you see your buddies leave, they get broke off these big-time contracts, you hate to see them go, but you're happy because you know they're going to be okay for the rest of their lives, them and their families. County, ain't no league 
bigger than the big league. If you're there, <laughs> it's because you've some, done something to get there. Hear me again. Ain't no league, nope. bruh. So there's always going to be critics. There's always going to be people who don't. Hey, there were a lot of people who didn't think that I was going to get out of rookie ball. Heck, there were a lot of people who didn't think I was worthy of getting drafted. And I wore that chip on my shoulder so long that I still have a big stitch from that big rock that I had to knock off of it. And I still carry a chip on my shoulder because I think that's what's kind of made me what I am today. Because on your journey, there's always going to be someone that doesn't believe in you. And all you need is an opportunity. They're playing for a manager that's not going to let anyone rest on their laurels. They're not going to let anybody criticize what they're doing about going about their business. They're going to be prepared. They're going to go out there and compete. And they're going to go out there and play the game. And you know what? You talk about a kid noisy. Here's a kid that jumped on the scene for us that we ruled five a couple years back, and then he ended up going to the Dodgers. Well, you go over there and you sit for a while, and you don't get a chance to play like you would. You learn a lot. You're playing in a big market team and you get a chance to go back to Oakland. And, man, oh, man, I guarantee he's going to be a better player. He's going to be a better prepared. There's a wise man said that failure is just another chance to intellectually do it again. So he's getting that second chance, and I guarantee you're going to see a much better noisy than you saw the first time, and he wasn't that bad when he was here before. Well, the one thing that he has always done, Shooty, is hit. I mean, that's one thing he can do. He can hit, and it's now – Let's find out. I mean, if you're the A's with any of these guys, what the heck do you have to lose? Well, the shillelagh is what gets you paid. I mean, you can't steal first base. I don't care how fast you are. You can't hit it out the park if you don't make contact. I don't care how much power you have. If you want to open up somebody's eyes, make the noise with that shillelagh. And that's what gets you an opportunity to play. There's some interesting kids on this roster right now, man. And they hear all the people. They hear all the criticism. And they've got a lot of pride. And not only do they want to prove it to themselves, but they want to prove it to all the people that don't believe in them. But you've got a couple of guys out there that's got some historic, it's got some numbers in their past. Now they get an opportunity to see if they can do it at the big league level. And that's going to be the biggest test for them. What do you think so far, and I know you've seen it in the minor leagues, but what do you think so far about Pitchcom and speeding up the game and allowing defenders to have a better idea uh, to position themselves or anticipate a little bit better? Uh, I know you know about it. What do you think about Pitchcom so far, your observations? Well, if you see me now, my beard is gray. That means I'm a little older, probably OG, if you will, and probably stuck <laughs> in my own way. Um, I always felt that the game was about skill and will and instincts. And what allowed you to be better than the other player is that you thought a little faster, you moved a little faster, you comprehended a little better, uh, but you knew how to play the game. You had to read swings. You had to figure things out on your own. I personally don't think the game is too slow. I love the game. I watch the game. I understand when it's a bad, poorly played game and the game's a long when you have a good old baseball game and it takes a little while, I mean, what do you do? First thing you do when you get to the game, sitting down worrying about what time the game is going to be over, you're not a real baseball fan. I just think that it takes some of the thinking out of the individual. You don't know how that guy is feeling. That pitch may not feel good in his hand at that point. And what happens then? Well, he's throwing it up there with hope instead of trust. And I don't like that. But if Major League Baseball feels that it's going to improve the quality of our game and increase the interest and grow the fan base, then I'm all for it. But if you ask every player, man 
to man, I guarantee you they've got some objections with it. So you're trying to tell me when you're sitting in that suit at the NBC California studios and the game's three and a half hours and you still got to do the post-game show, there's not a little bit of you in the back of your mind going, man, I wish this thing would get over soon. Come game 145, 146, you might have a point. (laughs) But right now, Tony, that's what I get paid to do. And I try my best to do the best job that I can at that. And the worst thing that I'm going to do is sit up there and worry about how long the game is opposed to watching what's going on and being able to analyze that. You know, I, I understand. You know, I've been in the bushes since the beginning of this season, and the first two games were four-hour games. Trust me, this is what I wasn't looking forward to. But that end of the, at the end of the night, it is what it is. I just don't think that this is a game that's been going on for a hundred and something years, and there was nothing wrong with it. And all of a sudden, we've got all these different changes and all these different things going on. I just, I just think sometimes too much is too much. Players that you have now that people are going to be interested in, but how much more valuable could those players be as a bargaining chip at the deadline with already we're starting to see injuries starting to mount? I don't think it's going to be that much at the trade deadline. I think most is going to take place before. You know, I've had this conversation with scouts, uh, former players, current managers, and I always said that this is going to be a year different than any year we've ever seen. Contrary to some people talking about three weeks is enough for spring training, I respectfully disagree. I mean, guys, cleats are not even broken in. Their gloves are not even broken in in three weeks. They need reps. I know one manager said that his regulars had only played nine innings one time. Okay? Repetition, repetition, repetition is what this game is about. The more you do it, the better you get at it, and the more that you know yourself. Uh, as you see, trades are being made. Good players are going down. If you have something of value, you are the end thing right now because everybody's going to be coming after you if you have something that they need, and you probably can get something back that you want. Well, and, and you know, the A's are definitely going to be one of those players whenever it is. People, I mean, wherever we when it, wherever we turn – we hear people talking about the A's and certain guys, so that will be definitely interesting. Shooty, as we go forward, you know, looking at the play at second base on the double play, I'm not sure if down in the bushes, if you even have cable where you are right now, so I don't know if you saw the play last night, um, but you never know. I mean, I, I, I know you, I, you might be at a four seasons, for God's sakes. We never know where Shooty is, but last night the way the game ended between the Rangers and in the Rockies with the double play at second base, interference, both runners out, game over, Rockies win, Bub Black with the challenge. If you saw it, I'd like your opinion. And just overall, how do you like the rules going on now that it's almost like if there's a double play and there's any type of contact between a runner and a fielder that it's like a manager could challenge it and win. It's almost like the double play could be coming an automatic deal in the old days of breaking up the double play could be going away. Well, I did not see the play, um, but I will comment on the fact. Um, I played the position uh, in my brief time in the big leagues. I had to dodge Dave Winfield. I had to Dave dodge Hal McCray and Bobby Gritch and these guys that were notorious for coming in there and taking you out. One of the best pitchers I have, 
um, my memory of my career is Dave Winfield was making $10 million a year. I mean, making whatever it was, he's the highest played player in the year, and I'm on a minimum wage, and this six, six foot six dude is coming there to take me out. Well, my job was to turn that double play and get up and get out the way. And that's the way the game has always been played. When you start changing the game, you start changing the instincts of the player. Me as a second baseman, I knew when to stay in there and turn it. I knew when to turn it as a, like a first baseman and get up out of there. I knew the angles and I knew the plays. I, like I said, that is one of the rules that I'm not in favor of because, first of all, what it also does is it just gives the way out. I mean, you have guys that slide halfway down. You have guys that play right field that can come in and play second base. Guys that are non-athletic can stand out there like robots and play the positions because nobody's going to come in there and inter interrupt their rhythm. So there is a problem for me right now. I'm a guy who evaluates. And when I'm evaluating infielders, especially guys at second base, one important thing about a guy used to be for me is a guy that wasn't afraid to play with the ball behind him. Him knowing where the ball is and where the play is and what the timing is, is all that matters. But now it's pretty hard to say because you have guys that play with their hands or their knees. You don't have guys with good pre-pitch uh, movements because they're just sitting there like a robot. So the game is becoming somewhat like a Sega game. I mean, you're telling where guys to play. You're telling them how to play, how to hold the bat, how to swing the bat. I don't mean to be redundant, uh, but when these issues come up and you change things that I saw nothing, every now and then someone got hurt. That's just the nature of the game. In every sport, somebody gets hurt, and that's unfortunate. But I thought that was a big part of the game as well. So um, I hate to see a game get called on a play that you've got to go over there and discuss it. The game used to speak for itself. Just like they say, the game, the players used to uh, manage the game, what happens inside the game. Uh, things are just changing too much. But you're talking about speeding the game up. To me, that just slows the game up. Well, if you had one recommendation, because you watch so much baseball, uh, especially at the different levels where they're trying all these rules, and they came to you, the commissioner's office came to you and said, all right, Shooty, um, you give us one thing that you think is going to speed up the game. What would it be? Uh, pit guys, uh, pitchers throwing strikes and, and batters swinging the bat. Uh, you got so many guys that are sitting up there looking at pitches, trying to hit home runs that are not capable of hitting home runs. We don't have a lot of action. The reason why people say that the game is slow because you don't see a lot of action. There are only a couple of guys in the lineup that can impact the game with their legs. Guys don't hit and run. Guys don't do the things that create the action. I just like to see the action um, increase a little more. Um, and you say, how do you do that? I just think that we have so many people that have an input on the way that the game is being played that it takes away the individuality of how a lot of guys play the game. So I would just like guys throwing more strikes. Uh, I've been down here in the bushes. Guys don't even have command of their fastball right there, and they're throwing three, two curveballs. And I've not one time. I've seen it over, and we're talking about guys that are hitting seventh and eighth in the lineup. So theory and philosophy and all this kind of stuff is great if it works. But when it's kind of conflicting the game a little bit, that's where I have a problem. So I would just like to see guys a little more aggressive of what they're doing, guys attack the bat, attack the bat and guys attacking the ball. 
Shooty, great stuff as always. When are we going to see you back on NBC Sports California? Opening day. Can't wait. Opening day at home. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait to see the fans. That's when they bring the big leaguers out. They got to bring that. We call Shooty's one of the suit guys, right? And when I say one of the suit guys, it means it means the guys with the best suits. Your prime talent comes out. Yeah, Shooty doesn't show up for on the road Tampa. Shooty doesn't show up for Toronto across the border. Shooty shows up for opening day. Yeah, that's awfully kind of you, Tony, but Shooty shows up when the boss tells him to. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what, one more time, Tony, the suits and the ties ain't no league, bro. When I was coming up, you always wanted to get to the show. And this is the show, and I'm going to respect it from day one until the day, uh, the last day that I get a chance to attend, man. But one thing I want to thank you again for always having me on. Um, you're doing a great job. You know, we've had a few years where it's been a little t- lean and a little tough, and we had to find ways to keep the fans engaged, and you've done a tremendous job at that. Um, not that I'm saying it's going to be that type of year because um, I think the A's are going to fool a lot of people this year. They're going to play great baseball, and Mark Cotte not just going to let them go out there and be marginal. He's going to make expect these guys to be good. Well, I'll tell you what, you've meant a lot to me in my career and all the things that you've done for me over the years. A lot of people, whether they know or not, all the different stations, all the different shows, you've always been there for us. And, you know, one of the great moments was when the A's brought you back and and you're back in the family. I mean, you never left the family, but, you know, back in with the organization, it it, it means a lot. So uh, you stay well in the bushes, and I can't wait for you to emerge. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) <laughs> take care, buddy. All right, I can't wait. All right, take care, Tony. <laughs> the great the great Shooty Babbitt. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he's an absolute A's legend. When you think about a three-time World Series champion, an all-star World Series MVP, multiple-time ALCS MVP, uh, AL win leader in 87, uh, you name it, Roberto Clemente Award. He's done everything in his career as an agent, as a GM, and he's in the Athletics Hall of Fame. The great Dave Stewart with us once again. Stu, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Thanks for having me on. Well, I had to make sure I took care of you yesterday in my NBC hit because Brody's not giving you enough love. Man, Brody's a tough customer, man. I, I'm going to have to get a new host. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I wanted to ask you because today uh, something happened that, you know, it's very tricky, especially in modern-day baseball. We're worried about innings pitched. I mean, we can go back to when you were a pitching coach here on this one. Clayton Kershaw threw seven, had a perfect game going today, and they took him out. I understand short and spring training. We're worried about innings pitched and everything, but – how would you feel as a pitching coach, and then how would you feel as a pitcher if you had a perfect game, opening day or not, and you're taken out? It's crazy. You know, Sean and I had the same thing about a week ago uh, uh, where he was throwing a, not a perfect game, but a, a no-hitter, uh, and he left the game with 88 pitches. I believe that Kershaw left the game today with 80 pitches. You know, it's uh, with Kershaw, you have to be careful. Um, you know, he's got uh, he's got injuries over the last few years, and he's an important part of that rotation. And to keep him healthy is the most important thing. I mean, it, it, it outweighs, you know, throwing an opening day perfect game, quite frankly, to have him available for 30 starts this season. 
um, will put them in a good position to be in a playoff run. So today, if you have to take him out of a game, a perfect game or not, and it, and it assures you or gives you a better chance that you're going to get another 29 starts out of him, then you have to do that. It's just it's hard to believe that we're in an era where you're just not going to see guys throwing 200 innings. How do you feel about that? You know, you know, 30 something starts, 200 innings was the norm. Some people believe we won't even have one guy this year throw 200 innings. Well, when you say 200, I mean even that short. In my period of time, we were closer to the 230, 250. Um, I think even I had a. a couple of years at 275 and 280 um and yeah i mean we're just in a different period of time uh where it's just not required for guys to pitch you know more than five or six innings to start and and that's just the period of time that we're in the game has changed um and it's it's you know i can't say it's for the better or it's for the worse the, the best way to put it is this is the period of time that we're in. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, things are changing. Then that means more bullpen arms. It more it means more bullpen usage. you got to get way more outs by your bullpen. How important is it now that the manager and the pitching coach have their finger truly on the pulse of their bullpen because of so many guys coming out of that bullpen? Well, you definitely need to know who's healthy and who's not. I mean, you need to know who your performers are in a in a, in a positive role and in a negative role, without a doubt. Um, you know, there there are teams now that are are going with uh, nine relievers, um, and some may do that for the duration of the year. Um, some may only do it uh, until you know we get a couple of months in this year, but. You know, I, I came from an era where you had five stars, you had five relievers, and the rest of your players were position players and and outfielders. So, um, you, you know, once again, we're, we're just in a different period of time. So, when you look at your bullpen right now and you got all these different guys, what do you think that truly the advantage is now where you do have the ability to throw a bunch of different looks at these hitters at the later parts of the game? Well, I mean, you know, it, it serves actually to have that many arms in your pen serves a couple of purposes. You know, we're we're in a period of time where we see an opener. And so sometimes your reliever starts a game, only pitches one inning, and you get four or five different arms out of your bullpen for that day. Um, when you come, come into a game now, you know, Last night, uh, the the Giants game, and I don't want to speak about the Giants game, but you know the Padres used a lot of arms in that game last night, as did the the Tampa Rays uh, against uh, the A's a couple of days ago in that 13 run game. We got to a point where he had a position player. So depending on the game situation, uh, to have different looks, I do think that because you now have to bring a pitcher in, and they have to face three batters. You know, it, it kind of takes away the, the matchup look, uh, which I can appreciate that as well. But, you know, have different looks down there, different velocities. They have sidewinders, the submariners, the, the guys that are throwing 95, 96 mile an hour plus. And then to have your, your slider ball guys come out there like Romo, um, it, it gives you, it could give you an advantage. 
What do you think is the key for a new manager like Mark Kotze to run his ball club, be the guy that is in charge? When you see a new manager, what's the, the, the number one key you look for? Well, I look for the keys of the, I look for the qualities of the best managers that I've ever played for. I'm an era three. It's Cito Gaston, Tony LaRussa, and Tommy Lasorda. And the one thing, the one that, the one characteristic that they all had in common is the ability to communicate with their players, to gain the trust of their players, um, and to motivate their players um, to, to play the game. If you can communicate with your players, um, it, it allows you the opportunity to know what they need. I, I don't think a lot, a, enough managers in the game ask their players, what do you need to be successful? Um, those three guys did a great job of that. And then not only did they do a good job of asking the player, communicating with the player, but they also did a good job of following through. And when you can do that, that gains the trust of the player and that makes the player play better for you as a manager. How much, let's just say, in a given year, would you communicate with Tony Larusa? We talked every day. We talked every day. We talked whether I was starting or not. We talked every day. Uh, he would find a minute or two during the course of batting practice or in the clubhouse, whatever the case may be, to have communication, not with just me, but with each and every player on his team. That's amazing. And I know Bob Melvin has mentioned that. I mean, what does that do for you as a player when you know that this man every day is coming to you and asking you about life, your family? Uh, just what does that mean to you as a player? Well, once again, it, it, it instills trust in the manager. It, 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 it puts you in a position to be comfortable with him, to relax with him. And when you're comfortable and you relax, you play your best baseball. Well, it's uh, definitely a communication is such a big part of our, our business, no question. Uh, let's end on this. For you and TV, you know, we've talked so much about your career and everything that you've done, player, uh, as an agent, a as a general manager. How do you put TV into that long resume? How much fun are you having doing that? I'm having a great time. It, it's, a, it's another dimension to to the things that I've, I've done in my, my life and in my career. Um, it, it, it's, it's so much fun to, to sit back and talk about the game. I mean, this, the baseball has been my life. I'm 45 years in, in the game. And, and so to sit down and talk about a team that I am passionate about and to be able to express to the fans what I see in a baseball game to have them understand through my eyes what took place with a certain play or, or, or in a certain at bat or what a pitcher's mentality was or why a guy was successful or why he wasn't successful um, is it, such a great opportunity for me. And is there something about, and, and one more, is there something about a, a team like this a lot of guys have a, a chip on their shoulder. A lot of people give them no chance, and, and they're going out there and they're busting their you-know-what every day. They're giving you everything they got. Is there something about what you see, this uh, land of misfit toys, I guess you could say, the, the way they play hard for 27 outs? Is there something that you love about watching that so far? Well, for me, it, it, when you can see that these guys are, are playing hard, and when you can see that they have the ability to come back in a baseball game at any time, 
um, for me, it's a heads up for the rest of the league to understand that, yeah, they've made some changes. Yeah, they've gotten a, they've they've let a couple of their quality starters get away. They've let a couple of their quality infielders get away, but these guys are not dead. Um, to me, that's exciting, and I and I love talking about that, and and more importantly, expressing to the fans that you still have you still have a, a, a quality product to go out and watch. You have a quality product to get behind, and these guys are just like the Chapmans and the Olsons when they were younger. You, you you're just going to have to re you're going to have to reroute yourself, I guess. And, and, and put yourself behind these guys and watch them grow and watch the excitement that they bring to the baseball field. Well, I'll just tell you for the pregame today, my hit is going to be about unwritten rules. I can't believe we're already talking about unwritten rules and we're not even a, a week into this thing. I know we're all old school and we believe in the unwritten rules, but at some point for the fans, you know, the thing is, Stu, fans don't care about the unwritten rules. They just, they're paying a lot of money. They want to see guys play hard throughout the game, no matter what the score is. It's kind of a tough call, old school versus new school. That's true. But, you know, the rules of the game still remain the rules of the game. The problem is, if, if you consider the problem is, once again, we're in a new era of baseball. We're in there baseball where a guy hits a long run, home run. He stands at home plate and he watches it. He flips the bat and he takes forever to run around the bases. That's not the brand of baseball that was created by Babe Ruth and Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and Roger Maris and Pete Rose. The the true heroes of the game, the guys that played the game right. Um, and so, uh, you know, we just have to adjust. As my martial arts teacher used to tell me, when the wind is blowing hard, and and the wave is 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 above your above your ship, are you going to continue to go at that wave, or are you going to adjust your sail? And so we're in a period of time now where we have to adjust our sails. Stu, you are the best. Have a great broadcast today, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Well, whether we're talking about the playoffs and he's doing ESPN or we're talking about the Toronto Blue Jays, one of our favorites, Dan Schulman, joins us, one of the top broadcasters in all of Major League Baseball. We always appreciate the time. How are you north of the border? I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you. How are you doing down there? We're, we're, we're doing fantastic. And before we start talking about the athletics and the Blue Jays, which all of a sudden has become an interesting series, just normalcy for you, for your broadcast partners, everybody for the Blue Jays, for the players, the front office, the fact that you're not starting in Florida, the fact that you're not playing in Buffalo, just, just how great is to start this season and it's more normal than ever. It's just fantastic. I mean, uh, again, in the grand scheme of things, there was much worse to deal with, and there is much worse to deal with uh, in the pandemic. But, you know, just in our little baseball corner of the world, you know, the Blue Jays uh, had to go through stuff that nobody else did. And the fan base went through stuff that nobody else did, right? Unable to see their team for almost two years. So uh, for the for the team to know they're in Toronto, for everybody to know it's a 162-game season, it's a good team, an exciting team. It could be a playoff team. Uh, you know, the, the crowds the first weekend were great. They averaged about 40,000 over the first three games. I'm not sure exactly what they'll have for this series 
against the A's, but uh, from the you know from the players to the fans and everybody in between, everybody's really excited. You know, we're getting our first look at it as we're going to find out which players we have are not vaccinated because they can't enter the country. Uh, obviously, we're going to have to call players up. And, you know, at some point, I think we're going to deal some real with some real high-profile guys. Uh, what do you think that's going to be like for series and the media handling this? Because, obviously, this is something no one's ever seen before in Major yeah. League Baseball history. I think the media will handle it differently in the two countries, to be honest with you, and not to, you know, not to get too deep into the weeds here. But I had, like, ten writers down in spring training, guys I've known forever, ask me about it. And I said, well, do you know there's a similar law about going into the U.S.? It, it, it exists for non-citizens in the U.S. It exists for everybody in Canada. And all 10 of them said, no, I didn't know that. And I said, like, you got to know that. Uh, you, you, if you're going to, you know, if the law coming into Canada is a story, the law going into the U.S. has to be a story, too. That means if Guerrero or Guriel or Hernandez or Ryu or Kikuchi or Romano were not vaccinated, they couldn't cross the border and play in the U.S., plus... It means that the Blue Jays can't even sign or trade for unvaccinated players. So, you know, in Canada, the whole notion of this is a competitive advantage for the Blue Jays, to be honest with you, doesn't fly so well up here uh, because of, you know, what the team went through the last couple of years and the fact that there is a similar law that exists about going into the United States. I'm sure it'll be a big, big story, especially, uh, you know, when the Red Sox and Yankees come, if they have unvaccinated players, if they are important players. I think that's when it really becomes a national story. Like it'll be a story now in, in A's country and maybe a little bit nationally in the U.S. But I, you know, there there are certain names that are rumored to be out there about guys who aren't vaccinated. And, and you know, when the Yankees and Red Sox come to town, that's when it may become a bigger story. Now, going into the series, we we expected to talk glowingly about the Blue Jays. We know how good this team has truly become, and the kids have grown up, and it's uh, it's time for the Blue Jays to compete for it all. No one thought the A's, though, would come in with a, a bunch of runs scored, uh, the A's coming in with home runs, the A's coming in at bullpens pitch well, some of the starters. Just how shocked are you? A lot of name changes, and, of course, you got our old guy, Matt Chapman, but how shocked are you this A's club's uh, coming to town after taking three or four from uh, Tampa Bay? A little bit. I wouldn't say shocked. I mean, a little bit surprised, but it's a long season and, and you know, things balance out. And listen, maybe they're better than people uh, thought they would be. But in a small sample size, any any baseball team can beat another baseball team. And I watched uh, about two and a half of the four games uh, between the A's uh, and the Rays. And, and they had good at bats and, and uh, they, they deserve to be where they are. They deserve to be four and three right now so i don't think the blue jays are taking them lightly at all they'll also see some pitchers they're not all that familiar with in certain cases i mean if you're the blue jays and you're you want to be as good as you think you are or you're going to be as good as you think you are you got to do well in this kind of a series you got to take two out of three you know the blue jays are coming in a little bit banged up they don't have Teoscar hernandez they don't have danny jansen they don't have nate pearson they don't have ryan barucki uh, and they're using a spot starter tonight in Ross Stripling to kind of push Yunch and Ryu back a day. So they haven't had the cleanest first week of the season either. So I, I think this is going to be a very competitive series. Matt Chapman hasn't gotten off to a great start yet, but just how excited were you guys to get him from us? Uh, I think Blue Jays fans were really excited. You know, obviously 
the hole in the lineup was Marcus Simeon, right? So they lost uh, another guy you're very familiar with, obviously. <laughs> so yeah. they, you know, the Blue Jays lost an incredible player, an incredible player. Uh, I mean, he had a phenomenal year last year. Um, so to get Matt Chapman was great, but to ask Matt Chapman to do what Marcus Simeon did last year, offensively anyways, is, is you know, a little bit unrealistic. Um, obviously Chapman, a third baseman, Simeon, a second baseman. Chapman's defense speaks for itself. Um, opening night, maybe it was just a little bit of a case of nerves. He didn't quite look like himself in the field, but he's been really good and he'll be great. Nobody's worried about that. Offensively, again, nobody's expecting him to be Marcus Simeon. And I don't know that people are even expecting him to be 2018, 2019 match. That would be great. Absolutely great. But if he can hit 250, 30 homers, you know, walk a bunch, which he does, and just keep the strikeouts manageable, that's a very good player uh, and a player they need. And it also moves Kevin Vigio back to second where he's more comfortable. Santiago Espinal can play anywhere. So he's over at second. He's happy. He's fine. Um, but they needed to get somebody. To be honest with you, I think they tried other guys first because they are a heavy, heavy right-handed lineup. Um, and I think they kicked the tires or did more than that on Corey Seager. Um, on, you know, there are Kyle Schwarber rumors. We know they were interested in Jose Ramirez, but they couldn't get a deal done with the Guardian. So, um, you know, Matt Chapman comes in here. Everybody's really excited. It helps them in some ways. It doesn't help them in other ways. But I think once he really gets acclimated, and he sure seems like he's having fun. You know, you see the games. Blue Jays are a fun group, you know, you're and, and he seems to have been accepted in instantly. So I'm sure he'll settle in, relax, and have a really nice season. Yeah, you think about exciting. Like last night, I'm sitting here, I'm ready to go. Yankees, Blue Jays, we had Brian Kinney on from MLB Network to promote the game. Uh, it was going to be a 4 o'clock start out here, and it was a rain delay, and I was bummed. I mean, I'm excited to see the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm thinking if I'm excited – and I, and I think back, God, talk about another A. I, mean, I remember when Josh Donaldson got the most all-star votes out of anybody because he had an entire country behind him. You got a yep. country, like how excited is Canada? Just not Toronto, which is one of the great cities in, in our game, but just how excited is the country behind this fun team? Crazy excited. So I, I went on a, a little vacation. After college basketball season started, I had about one week before I had to go to spring training. So my wife and I went a little quick getaway, a little quick vacation, because that's about the only time we can do it. And there were a lot of Canadians where we were. We were down in the Bahamas. There were a lot of Canadians. And, um, you know, they watched the Blue Jays. So people were saying, you know, hey, Dan, when you go to spring training, they knew who I was, whatever. And they were from Edmonton. They were from Victoria. They were from Nova Scotia. They were from Brandon, Manitoba. They were from all over the country. And it's another thing that I don't know that, you know, people south of the border know uh, the full extent. I mean, you've just made a great case for it. But um, this team is national more than any NHL team because there are seven Canadian hockey teams in the NHL. And, yeah, the Leafs have fans out east and out west, but there are a lot of people who hate them, too, because they like Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, whatever. Um, the Raptors do have a very nice following, but it's more concentrated in and around Toronto. They have fans around the country, but not nearly to the extent that the Blue Jays do. And, you know, the reason I know that is I work for the company that televises all the games, and I get the emails with the ratings and all that, and I can see it. Like, the numbers are monster for this team when they are good from coast to coast to coast. And I can see it in, you know, Twitter messages I'm getting, whatever, however you want to look at it. So um, everybody is really, really excited. And um, I just hope that there are some ups and downs early in the season. People remember it's a long year. They've got a, a brutally tough schedule. They've got nothing but Yankees, Red Sox, and Astros coming up for three weeks 
after this series with Oakland. So, you know, they could wander out of that and be 12 and 14. Like, that wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. But there's a lot of baseball left to be played. And everybody's going to fall back on what the Braves did last year in the regular season. Right. It's just, hey, get in and anything can happen. And the A's, we're starting on the East. It's like we're an East team. You know, you're in Philly, you're in Tampa, now <laughs> you're in Toronto. We've been seeing it. And then watching the game last night, I got to just – the division, you throw in the Red Sox. I, I know everybody needs to, to get theirs and beat up on the Orioles, but just how exciting is the East going to be and how much fun it's going to be your job watching this? Yeah, same as last year, right? I mean, the Yankees and Red, the Rays, I think they won 100. They won it. But the Yankees and Red Sox each won 92 and the Blue Jays won 91. So the, the Blue Jays missed the playoffs by one game. Um, you know, and it went right down to the final day of the season. The Blue Jays did what they had to do. They swept the Orioles the last week of the season. But then the Red Sox were trailing the Nationals, but their game was running a little bit long. And about 20 minutes after the Blue Jay game ended, the Red Sox came back, took the lead from the Nationals, won the game, and the Blue Jays missed the playoffs. So I don't know if it can top last year. Um, certainly, you know, from a, from a, uh, an excitement and right down to the wire point of view, hopefully it's a different ending for, Blue Jay, for the Blue Jays and their fans. But the one one big nice thing is that there's one extra playoff spot this year. There, as you know, there are six in each league instead of five. That would have been enough to get them in last year. Hopefully, they don't need that to get in this year. But it's nice to know there's another spot. But you know what? Seattle's interesting, and and Minnesota, Cleveland are interesting. Like there are some teams in the other divisions that could be in the in the thick of it for a wild card spot. And because they play in easier divisions, you know, easier schedules, so. Um, nothing's going to come easy for any of these teams in the East this year. They're all going to have to play well to get there. Well, let's end on this. I saw this yesterday on MLB Network. Omar Minaya, longtime executive, is now uh, going to be a contributor on the network. And obviously, Vladimir Guerrero is someone he's known for a long time from their days in Montreal. So he's known Junior since he was a little kid. And they were talking about the two, and he says, yeah, I think Junior's going to be better than his dad. And last time I checked, his dad's got a plaque in Cooperstown and tor- <laughs> and tormented, tormented us for years down in Anaheim. Do, do, do you see that Junior could be better than dad? That's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing to say that. He's only 23. Um, it's possible. He's a different kind of a player. Uh, you know, his dad, when he was down in Montreal, was a terrific right fielder with a cannon of an yeah. arm. By the time he got to the Angels, he had slowed down a lot defensively, obviously. You know, Vladdy is an infielder. He's a first baseman. But offensively, the kinds of numbers that, that he might put up could very well surpass his dad. And, and, and again, he's 23 years old. But in any year other than the Shohei Otani year, he wins the MVP last year. And I think he's better this year just from watching him in the spring and watching him in the first week of the season. So, you know, let's see how it plays out. That's uh, that's a 15 year question, right? That's a, that's going to be a long time before we know the answer to that one. But I'll tell you, I've, I've been doing this a while and uh, they don't come around very often guys like him. I mean, what he did the other night at Yankee stadium with the three homers and the double and some of the pitches he hit out, he's not just talented and he's crazy talented, but he's smart and he's disciplined and he works hard and he's got a lot of things going for him. Always great to have you on the program. It's always an honor. Thank you so much for taking the time before the game, and we'll talk to you soon. And enjoy Jackie Robinson Day. Enjoy this series. You got it. You as well. Well, you know what a big fan we are of MLB Network. It is the channel that we all love. And Brian Kenny is the main host of MLB Network, and he joins us now here on A's Cast. So, BK, I was given this elaborate 
this whole introduction for you, MLB Network, Showtime, the whole deal, and then I realized you weren't with us yet. So I just want to know I had a huge buildup for you again. <laughs> I believe you. I'll take your word for it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you guys are going to have, and I talked about uh, MLB Now, and we also talked about uh, Thursday, you're going to have the Jays and the Yankees. And the Jays now, as they're growing up, they've been doing well against the Yankees. Yeah, look, they're, I mean, they're a quality team. And it, the more you watch them now, especially with, you know, some of the additions that they've made, uh, it had so much firepower last year. They, they kind of weren't as good as their firepower last year. Do you know what I mean? Their production is so tremendous, uh, and yet they were – and you could tell by their run differential was better than their win-loss record. This year, I think that's kind of evening out, and they're a powerhouse. When you look at what's going on with the A's and the Rays, I know two organizations that you have followed because of just all the years, the way the game has changed. The A's were at the forefront. We all live the Moneyball era. We now know your affinity for, for, for the Rays. What's it like when you watch A's-Rays? Um, well, look, it's been exciting the last few years. Maybe we got spoiled. You know, it's, it's funny. We, um, because not only were they able to compete these last few years, but they were excelling. Uh, again, you know, I pointed out the, the A's were winning, not 90 games a year like that. That's kind of the marker, right? You're like, oh, they're winning 90 games. Yeah. They're winning 97 a year. And, you know, now that they're trading off and they're now they're doing a, the rebuild or the retrench, whatever it would be, um, it's, it, you know, it takes a little bit out of that. But the last few years, it's been remarkable what they've been able to do with their payroll. And I'll give you a perfect example. I just looked briefly at the payrolls this year. And in the second division, basically, you know, teams 16 through 30 in payroll, I really only see three teams that can make the playoffs. So money makes a big difference. And I think the last few years, the fact that the Rays are winning divisions, that the A's are winning 97 a year, has kind of obscured that that it's, you know, you really do need to make at least like mid-level money in your payroll to be able to compete for a championship. And so what the A's and Rays have done the last few years is, is truly amazing. If you were running the A's right now and you had Frankie Montas sitting there, and obviously there were rumors about the Chicago White Sox, but would you be looking to deal him now or would you wait more towards the deadline where you could get more teams involved and more teams fighting over him? Well, yeah, that's the that's the, the craft of it. Right. And the, and then the experience that you have, um, I would think you'd get more now. You get more starts out of the guy now. And, and teams will always say that if you can move before the deadline, you should be able to get a better you know, trade value. On the other hand, what you're saying is also true that uh, you'll have teams that are a little more determined right around the trade deadline, especially this year with another team in each league making the playoffs. I think we're going to have a bunch of middle-class teams that uh, were not as anxious or uh, aggressive that are going to jump in there knowing that one or two players can make a big difference in getting from, you know, 81 wins to 87, which is likely what it'll take to make the playoffs. You know, right now in your neck of the woods, obviously we know with Aaron Judge and turning down the extension, I know Bieber has talked about, oh, I'd love to stay in Cleveland. Well, what else is a guy going to say when, when he's asked about an extension? We had to deal with that with Matt Chapman. We knew Chapman was telling us one thing, but he and Boris were going to do the other. Like, what is really the best way to handle this as a player when you have to say the right things or you're just going to get killed in the media? 
Yeah, you have to play that game. And uh, look, it takes two to tango. You know, today on MLB Now, we spoke to Alex Anthopoulos. And one of my questions was, you know, regarding Freddie Freeman, I think they made a great move in trading for Matt Olson and getting Olson in there when they realized it was unlikely to get Freeman. And yet, like, what happened? You know, what happened? For whatever reason, some something wasn't communicated or the negotiations just took on a life of their own. And even though Freeman didn't, it, it, look, Freeman didn't break the bank, you know, as compared to the type of player that he is, and yet they were unable to make that deal. So you just have to say, look, I'm, I'm open to, to staying. I'd love to stay. It's got to be a competitive offer. And again, players have to wait six years to get that shot. So they've earned that shot, and I don't think we should ever hold it against them. And the, the, it's up to the team to come out and make a competitive offer. I thought the Yankees' offer was actually quite good. Um, is it top of the line? No. You know, Mookie Betts and Mike Trout make a little bit more. But Judge is going to be 31 when he starts that deal. So I thought it, <laughs> I thought it was a good deal. You know, they didn't come up short. $30 million <laughs> a year for seven doesn't, isn't short. It's just – it's almost laughable when you hear – Ah, uh, two hundred thirty million. Yeah, I'm not signing that. Yeah, I understand. You know what it is? I, I like. I understand it. I think you do too, yeah. right? Like you, you are comparing yourself to your peers, uh, but you also do have to keep an eye on uh, comparing yourself to the American standard of living. That you know, in, and GMs now have this advantage that the industry is so rich, so lucrative, that you can just wow a guy with money. Whereas even, you know, free agency, late 70s, early 80s, um, you were offering real money, but it wasn't making a guy super rich. It was making him, you know, pretty fluid, very affluent, but not rich. When you're talking $30 million a year as compared to the American standard of living, no, you're rich. And so you have that advantage, and yet players still compare themselves to their peers and think, wait, he's making 34.5, I'm making 30, why is that? Well, that's where I want to know behind the scenes. Are you saying forget Bob Costas and Greg Amsinger? I'm Brian Kenny. I need to get paid. That's right. <laughs> well, that's it. Look, uh, no matter what, like when I think of when I, realistically, I think of the money I'm making now. And I would, if you had told me that when I was first a sportscaster in 1986, I would think I'd be well. I'm, I, you know, I'm on my yacht and I'm, I've got my, uh, you know, my, my my ponies out in the yard and I've got my racehorses and everything. And no, whatever you you make, you know, you get used to it and you spend. Um, and as much as we look at it and go 30 million a year, what do you do with that money? No, you're you're rich, but you'll figure out something to do with that money. And there there are very few guys who make that money. So they are entitled. You know, I've told you I tape the show every single week, and we haven't been able to watch it because when it came on here, we are getting ready for our show. But I'm sure when I watch later on today, uh, you guys will talk about the double play that ended in Texas between the Rockies and the Rangers. Uh, what was your guys' take on that today? Well, we were in uh, vehement disagreement. I, I You, know, you, I and, you out, and Dan I, O'Dowd? I, yeah, Dan wow. O'Dowd. Dan O'Dowd, uh, actually, let me try to get this right. Dan O'Dowd said, I hate the rule. I think it was a good call. I say, I love the rule, and I think it was the wrong call. <laughs> so we were in exact disagreement. I, I, I'll throw out one thing. For those who are saying, well, you know, he has to keep his foot on the bag, that's not true. You have to attempt to keep your foot on the bag. So if you come off the bag and you happen to be off to the side, that still could be a legal slide. It, it's open to some interpretation. 
I, I'll tell you my gut reaction, and I'm very sensitive to this. I've been pushing for this rule for years, two decades. I thought this, you know, to take a guy out and try to hurt a guy on second base is, is absurd. What are we doing? It's not, you know, the rough and tumble 19th century. And yet, uh, I was surprised when that was the call yesterday. I didn't think it should be called. I, and yeah, it's kind of like nitpicking. Letter of the law, did he move to the right a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. But I thought he was within his rights. And if you go in hard straight into the bag and you don't veer, like don't find the guy. You know, if the if the infielder is looking to move one way or another, if you go to find him, you stay with him and he can't avoid you and you hurt him, then obviously that's what the rule is all about. That's wrong. That's against the rule. I didn't think Garver did that at all. I thought he went in hard a little to the right and then he rolled up a, a little bit. I was I was surprised it was called. Dan O'Dowd thought you have to call that. It's an easy call. Well, I'll tell you an easy call. I was watching MLB Central this morning, and they were showing, I can't remember what year it was, but it's Yankees-Royals, Hal McCray in the ALCS uh, going into Willie Randolph. I think it was Willie Randolph. I mean, well, I think it was 78, I think it was. They, they showed that highlight. I'm like, oh, my God, what the game used to be to where it is today. Wow. Yeah, I, and I know we show that all the time, and that's like the, that. That's also egregious. Even back then, it was crazy, <laughs> and I'm against that. I think everyone can look at that and say, "All right, we don't want that." And yet, I think the key word to use is the word that they use at the plate for the collision rule: egregious. And I, you kind of know it when you see it, as a you know Supreme Court justice once said. You know, do you roll out of the way to try to hurt this guy? Do you go to try to? find him to crush him and if you just go in you should be able to go straight into the bag as hard as you want and if that guy's standing there and you break his leg you break his leg that guy's got to get out of your way but you can't go and veer as they say that's part of the rules veer and find the guy and i think we'll know when it's there i think if we look to see let's let's not eliminate every collision on the field let's eliminate the egregious collisions you know, I asked David Forrest yesterday on this program about the amount of positions that we have on the roster, and he talked about how they fought so long for 26. We're going to start with 28. But now with the way that we're not getting a whole lot of innings out of starters and pitchers are getting hurt, I know there's still what we're going through with the labor negotiations. We just had COVID. But do you think like around 28 at some point will be around the number for roster spots? That seems to make sense. I think there also needs to be a rule, and there is a rule now this year. I think it'll start in May, like right around May 2nd, I think, uh, that you have a limit on pitchers as well. Yeah. And I think from there you deal with it. Um, look, And the, the better teams, the smarter teams, the A's, the Rays, the Dodgers, Yankees, they've been at the forefront of using their AAA shuttle, you know, optioning guys, moving them up and down, try to maximize the players that you can use. And I knew this was coming. I wrote it in my book years ago when I wrote a chapter on bullpenning. And I said, look, they're going to come up with rules to stop this. So do it now. Bullpen now because they're going to come up with rules to stop it. And now they are. And I think 28 makes sense. Um, You know, you want to make them play within the same rules. You want a few guys on the bench and you don't want guys to get hurt. Um, But maybe if you have fewer pitchers, perhaps we'll get out of this, you know, max effort sort of um, dynamic that we're in that guys are everybody's trying to throw 97 and up and you know only pitch for an inning in two-thirds that's where we're at now 
Well, obviously, we've had overreaction to start the year, right? We have all these opinions, and oh, my God, we're three, four games in. But on your way out, I would love one big, bad, bold prediction for the 2022 season. Look into the Brian Kenny uh, crystal ball. What do you see one bold prediction? Oh, you're killing me. Let me see. Let me see. Because you are the professor. Mean te- you mean team-wise? You Anything. Mean, I'll tell you one thing I'd like to see right. this year. This year, No, no, we're not going to have it. But I think at the start of next year, how about that? Pitch clock. I think we're all ready for the pitch clock. I think it's finally kind of turning the corner where we see it will help. It'll trim a half hour off games off the top right away. Half hour, dead time, gone. I'd like to see that. Well, as someone that books in a broadcast for 162 games, I'm all for it. You'll love it. Oh, Have you seen it in the minor leagues? In the minor leagues, every, and the players like it. Managers like it. Everybody likes it. And pitchers can't recover as well. I get it. But that doesn't mean they're getting hurt. It means you have to work faster like they did in, like, 1957. It can be physically done. Well, I got to tell you, your show, like, I hate during spring training when they put games on. Like, I don't need to see the Cardinals and the Yankees from Florida. I want MLB now. Your show is so good. We we take, we steal from your show all the time, I got to tell you. It's fabulous. The research that you guys I, I'm, have. I'm honored that you steal from the show. I'm honored. So, I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I tell everybody that comes on from MLB, uh, from MLB Network how much we love them. You, by far, are our favorite. What you do is second to none. Your guys' show and what you do, even as a host with all the guys on uh, on a nightly basis. But uh, you are the king, my man, of MLB Network. We, we love having you on the program. It's always an honor. No, thank you so much. I'm very kind of you, and I'd love to do it again. I'll, I'll have a better uh, bold prediction for you. Maybe that <laughs> Stephen Kwan never strikes out all year, something like that. He's a Bay Area kid. It's amazing. I'd love to see more players like that. I'll throw in one more thing. Like, everybody wants to ban the shift. If, if, if it's all Stephen Kwan's coming up, you don't have to ban the shift. But we don't like guys. We say we love guys 5'9", 170 that can play Major League Baseball. No, we don't. Uh, if we ban the shift, we're protecting the big lumbering slugger, not guys like Stephen Kwan. Hey, our good friend Bob Melvin once said, if you shifted against Ichiro, he'd hit 800. Yeah, exactly. I, don't we want to see more of those players? Exactly. No doubt. Hey, Brian, thank you for the time. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk soon. We will. Thank you so much. Take care. The great Brian Kenny. I, I mean it. I tape that show every day. I will watch it tonight after I get done with postgame. My kids are always like, Dad, we're watching this show again. It is the best baseball show, hands down. There's no question. And don't forget, you can see it out here, 11 a.m. Pacific, MLB Now, hosted by Brian Kenny, And also, we got Jays and Yankees, Thursday Night Baseball, at 4 o'clock Pacific. We do have Elvis on the line. Elvis, how are you? Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. How you doing, brother? Good, good, good to be here. Yeah, no, it's great to talk to you. We, we were briefly at spring training. We weren't able to hook up, but uh, it's great to finally have you on again. 
and, and I got to think for yourself in year two with the athletics, just talk about the difference. Last year, you got off to a slow start. This year, you've gotten out to a hot start. Just how much better from year to year has this start been for you? Uh, it's been big, man. I think that last year, you know, I was still dealing with a lot of, a lot of uh, off-field, uh, you know, injuries in my back and all that. But, you know, and just being in a different place than, you know, than Texas, I think, it, you know, it took me a little bit to actually get comfortable and, and get used to. But, you know, this year is different, you know. Uh, I know how it is. And, you know, I was, it, was really, it was really easier for me to just, you know, come and prepare myself and be ready to play. You know, one thing that uh, w w a lot of change, people were wondering, how is this team going to score runs? Elvis, you're second in baseball in runs scored, 32 runs in just five games. Just talk about what you've seen so far from this offense. Uh, you know, I I'm expecting that and, and more for sure. Uh, you know, I know the, you know, the, the analytic and all those baseball people, uh, you know, they're not sending no love to Oakland, but we know as a team, we know we still have a great group here. We have a lot of young guys that are about to, you know, put their name in the map. And, you know, that, that's the way I see it. You know, I have a lot of talks with a lot of guys that I know they're going to, you know, a lot of people after this year will know them. And, and they're really excited. You know, the whole team is excited. All those guys are getting new opportunities in their career, are, are ready for the challenge. And, 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 you know, I believe that, we're going to score, man. We don't, we don't know sometimes how, but we're going to find a way to score and, and, and you know, keeping our game and keeping our approaches. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's one of the things I wanted to get into with you when you talk about being a veteran like yourself in this clubhouse that really is not a bunch of young guys. I mean, you're, you're not a young team. You got a lot of guys who are trying to prove themselves. When you got a bunch of the media and the national media, they're not giving you guys a chance whatsoever. So obviously what you're saying is you've had these conversations with these guys. You can't listen to the outside noise. The only thing that matters is the belief inside that clubhouse. So kind of take us in that clubhouse and give us a, a, some examples of how you've talked about these guys about, hey, this group can win. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it's, it's, you know, this is not the first time I'm, I'm going into, you know, a rebuilding team, you know. Uh, I did a few times in Texas. And like I said, like you guys are mentioned, uh, you know, everybody's one year away to be somebody in the game, you know. So that, that was one of the things that I'm trying to, you know, uh, refresh to the guys, uh, you know, believe in themselves, you know, just, just go out there and keep playing. I mean, there's a lot of guys in this team that have success, you know, whether it's minor league, whether it's a little bit last year. So, you know, for me, I was like, let's just, let's just make that, you know, 162 games instead of a month, instead of a week. And having that mindset, you know, I think that everybody's doing their job on, on – you know, don't don't let anything, you know, from the outside get inside a clubhouse. Uh, stick to our game, stick to our plan, and go day by day. I think that's, you know, for me, that's one of the hardest things when I was younger. And, you know, that's one of the things that I always want to remind the guy, you know, don't don't try to see the big picture. Don't try to, you know, be, you know, go think what what is going to happen in the future. Just go, let's go day by day. Let, let's, let's have fun every single day out there. Uh, let's compete, and, and, you know, we do that. There's a lot of talent in here. They will take care of the rest. 
You know, some days you wake up, you feel great. Some days you wake up, you don't feel great. Some days you got issues at home. You know, for some players, you got kids, you got all this stuff going on in life. But the number one thing is, and there's just something about it, Elvis, I don't know how you put your finger on it, but it's just that belief. If you believe in yourself, if you have confidence, no matter what the outside stuff's going on, when you step between those lines, you can be successful. What is that life in you? What's it? What's that been like in your career? No matter what's going on, as long as Elvis believes, that's all that matters. Yeah, I think that's something that you know that has been kind of easy to rely on the guys. Uh, and that's something that you know I think that's the beauty of baseball. Uh, you know, I've been I've been blessed to. You know, I've been having a lot of ups and a lot of downs in this game, and 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 that is something that I always try to, you know, help all the young guys that you know they have, you know, they're kind of uncertain on those things uh, because they haven't had the opportunity to play in this level, and, and that is something that I always try to help. You know, where like you guys said, uh, you never know what's gonna happen in this game. Uh, today you're here, you don't know where you're gonna be tomorrow. But for me, you know, believing in myself, that's something that will never go down. Um, I mean, I was a, a true example of that last year. You know, they, they where I started the season for the first month and a half, and, and the guys saw it. You know, they, they were able to, you know, to see me going about it. And, and you know, sometimes they make jokes, like, hey, how do you, you know, how can you stay so calm, man? Like, you know, having the year that you have. And I was like, you know what? Like, that's baseball. It's going to happen. You know, when you have a long career, you're going to have those months. You're going to have those years. But you have to be able to, keep believing in yourself, whether, you know, things are not going the way you want it. And for me, last year wasn't such a huge year because I was able to uh, learn a lot of things about myself. And at the same time, you know, just, just trying to help and, and showing that, you know, even when things are not going your way, you have to keep pushing. You have to keep finding the way to finding, you know, the love and the passion that you have for this game. And, you know, as soon as I did that last year, everything, you know, I start turning, you know, on my way. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen towards the end when I broke my leg. But, you know, I was able to show them that, you know, it's 162 games and whether you don't have a first good half or, or a first good month, you still, you know, there's a lot of baseball left. There's a lot of, a lot of things you can do uh, positive for the team. That play was really amazing from the standpoint of the way you got hurt, we know the pain you must have been in. I don't know, maybe you were in shock, but the fact that you were still all about scoring the run, just take us back and what was that like? Uh, it was crazy. Man. I don't really like to go back to that moment because it gives oh, me that good bumps again. <laughs> but uh, that, that's how I am, man. And the guys that, that play with me or been around me know know how I play the game. I only know one way to play, and, and, it's, and it's, you know, it's to win. And, uh, the matter if, you know, a, a bone broke, the matter if I don't feel good, like, it's all about, you know, do your part to win that game, you know, to make it happen. And, and I mean, for sure, the adrenaline helped me out because, you know, as soon as he broke, that was a huge pain. And I, don't, I have no idea how I actually did, like, the next five to six steps. Uh, and I'm so blessed that, you know, besides our bond, you know, nothing else uh, broke or twist. You know, that's one of the things the doctor was really shocked to. But, you know, that's, that's, that's the way I play, man. And, and, and I know, 
you know, everybody, you know, in the organization have my back. And, and, and that's, you know, one of the reasons, you know, even when you break something, you keep going, you know, that's, that's the best example you can give to all the young guys and, and people that are watching the game, you know, no matter how life is, is you know, is doing, you, you still have to push it through because, you know, that's, you know, that's what we're here. You know, we're here to inspire. We're here to, to, to have fun and to push it through and then to show people, you know, that sometimes we, even when things are not perfect, you still can, you know, find a way to, to make it happen. Well, yeah, because right now you and D Gordon are the active leaders in baseball and stolen bases. So you got to keep your wheels intact and keep this thing going. I mean, you, 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 you you're at a point in your career where we're looking at the, the very top of stolen bases and you're right there. Yeah, no, that's something that, believe me, that's something that uh, I'm very aware. Uh, it's been a few opportunities that I'm trying to steal, and, and unfortunately it's been, you know, a couple of swings and fouls because uh, I, yeah, I did have those two bases for sure. But, you know, I mean, I, I mean I've, been, I've been doing this for, or a little bit and you know that's one of the things that I try not to do you know don't don't panic or don't force it I know I'm going to have plenty of opportunities to steal bases and then you know keep getting more bases to to my uh to my record <laughs> but uh yeah it's something that I have passion for I love being an aggressive base running and you know I just can't wait probably today today might be the first my first selling bases of 2022. Well, how about this? We talked to you when you first came over to the A's, how you changed your workout regimen in the offseason last year and just the way you lift and the way you stretch and the way you go about preparing your body. How has that changed in offseason workouts, and especially with all the rehab you had to do? How much has that helped you going into this year? Well, it did help me a lot because last year, you know, unfortunately because of my back, I, I wasn't able to lift any weight, I pretty much did just, you know, body weight. And and that was one of the things that, that I knew, you know, going into the season, I didn't like it because I feel, I feel great, I feel fast, but, like, I didn't have, like, I didn't feel explosiveness and, and power from my legs. Uh, and I knew that was going to give me, you know, a little toll towards the end. Uh, but this year, you know, this off season, I was able to go back, you know, to, to lifting weight, to, you know, picking those heavy dumbbells to, you know, to get my, you know, grab my bat and, and feel it really light. And, you know, you can see that pretty much this spring training, you know, like my bat speed, you know, is back to where it was. And, and, and I think, you know, I was able to just get a good plan. I uh, still taking care of my bag, but being able to, you know, just get back and feel strong in the play and feel strong, you know, from the ground up and, and you know, I feel really good right now. Uh, and, you know, like I say, it's been a good start. It's only been five, six game, But, you know, I really have, you know, my body and my mind in the right spot. And I just can't wait to keep pushing. You know, when I think about Tony Kemp getting this opportunity to play every day and to prove that he is an everyday player, how much are you helping him out at second base to help him achieve that goal of being an everyday guy? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's not too far away. I mean, you know, he, he came to the league and, you know, he was in a team that was really good. And he's always thought when you come in, you know, to an organization that he's already set and, and you know, he's a second base guy. And, I mean, in Houston, they got Altuve. Pretty hard to play before him, you know, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, knew that deep, he knew that deep down he got the qualities, he got the talent to be an everyday player. And, 
you know, I really, he was one of the guys that, you know, I feel so, so happy because we have a lot of, deal, you know, long conversation last year about me just reinforcing, you know, dude, you're a really great baseball player. Like, you can play every day and you got to believe it. Like, as soon as you believe it, you know, things are going to happen. So, I feel like last year he made, and I mean, he did all the job, you know. I think as, as teammates, we just here to, you know, say a encouragement word, a wisdom, you know, word, and then they still are the one doing the whole load. So, you know, I really, you know, really happy for him because what he did last year wasn't easy playing multiple positions and just being, you know, on base force. And, and, and he knows that. And, you know, this year, especially spring training, it was more of like just helping him you know, to get that mentality of the everyday play instead of just play once in a while. But, you know, he's ready for the challenge. He, he's been waiting this opportunity his whole career, and I think he's going to do fantastic. You know, Elvis, it's hard to believe, but I remember when you were a hot shot kid and you were coming up and everybody's <laughs> like, oh, look out, this kid's coming up from the Texas Rangers. He's going to be this star player. You now have that with Pache. Uh, you understand what he's going through as a young player. We're checking out every single at-bat. We're wondering if he's going to be – I mean, he's getting compared to Andrew Jones, for God's sakes, and Andrew Jones, in my opinion, should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame, one of the great center fielders that uh, we've ever seen in the history of the game. Have you been able to talk much to him? Because you, you, you know what it's like to come up being, being a uh, top prospect. Yeah, for sure. You know, but Pache is – Especially, like you say, such a unique talent. Uh, you don't see those talents, you know, coming often to the big leagues. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I've been talking to him a lot. I can relate to what he's been, you know, dealing on his career. And, like, you know, he has all the talent, but he needs to just put it together pretty much, which is the hardest thing to do in the big leagues. Uh, but, I mean, he, he loves the world. He comes to the ballpark every day wanting to learn, asking a lot of questions. And, when you're young, that's the best you can do, you know, trying to get the most information and the most experience you can get from older guys. And, you know, at the end, he's going to go out there and perform and keep learning about himself. Because uh, I don't think he has no idea how talented he is <laughs> right now and he will be in the future. But, you know, so just an amazing talent. And, you know, I just, as long as I can keep helping and, and you know, uh, do a little, you know, a little bit of my, talk, peck talk to, to get him to the player that we know he's going to become. Uh, I'm just so excited to see that a ball for sure. Let, let's end on this. You've played for a lot of managers. Uh, I'm sure you have a different opinion on every single one, some good, some bad. Uh, you always like to hope that uh, your new manager is going to have a lot of the great qualities of the past ones that you really like. So far, what have you seen in Mark Kotze? Uh, so far, so good, man. I mean, like I said, it's too early. And, like, you know, we have a great relationship with Mark. Uh, you know, we always play around, uh, saying that I probably play with, like, 80% of the managers in the big league right now. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no, I mean, Kotze has all the qualities to be an amazing manager. Man. He, he can relate to each guy in the team. Uh, he's done it. He's been through it. So he he knows that side. He understands. He knows how to get to your to your brain and how to know you know how you're feeling in, in those moments. So I think that's huge, especially for the young guys being able to have a manager that been there and done it. Uh, 
And I think, you know, the more he managed, you know, the more experience he's going to get. We, I understand, and, and he's not my first-time manager, so I know that he's going to make mistakes. But, I mean, we're all human beings, and, and we know how much he cares, how much passion he got for this organization. And, and, you know, he spreads that every single day. And, and I love, I love people with passion, especially our manager, because I think, you know, they, they're the ones that set the tone for the team. And, you know, the way they go uh, every single day, we just make it easy, you know. It's like all that energy get transferred to the team. But I mean, so far he's been really good. He communicates perfect. Uh, he's trying to, you know, make everybody be part of the team to, to you know, keep everybody in their toes. So I mean, so far, like I said, so far so good. I don't like to talk too much about the manager because, you know, I don't want to say something and then go in the opposite way. But I mean, so far, man, I mean, the whole the whole team is very happy with him and. You know, we are wishing nothing but the best for sure. Well, I got to tell you, every single day that I fill out my scorebook and I got your name there in shortstop makes me feel good. that you, You're there every single day, steady Eddie, and we love that. We always really appreciate your time on this program. Be well the rest of this road trip, and we'll see you back for the home opener in Oakland. For sure, man. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. Take care, Elvis. Well, you know what a big fan we are of MLB Network. It is the channel that we all love. And Brian Kenny is the main host of MLB Network, and he joins us now here on A's Cast. So, BK, I was giving this elaborate, this whole introduction for you, MLB Network, Showtime, the whole deal, and then I realized you weren't with us yet. So I just want to know I had a huge buildup for you again. <laughs> I believe you. I'll take your word for it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you guys are going to have, and I talked about uh, MLB now, and we also talked about uh, Thursday, you're going to have the Jays and the Yankees. And the Jays now, as they're growing up, they've been doing well against the Yankees. Yeah, look, they're, I mean, they're a quality team. And it, it, the more you watch them now, especially with, you know, some of the additions that they've made, uh, it had so much firepower last year. They they kind of weren't as good as their firepower last year. Do you know what I mean? Their production is so tremendous, uh, and yet they were – you could tell by their run differential was better than their win-loss record. This year I think that's kind of evening out, and they're a powerhouse. When you look at what's going on with the A's and the Rays, I know two organizations that you have followed because of just all the years, the way the game has changed. The A's were at the forefront. We all live the Moneyball era. We now know your affinity for, for, for the Rays. What's it like when you watch A's Rays? Um, well, look, it's been exciting the last few years. Maybe we got spoiled. You know, it's it's funny. We um, because not only were they able to compete these last few years, but they were excelling. Uh, again, you know, I pointed out the, the A's were winning not 90 games a year. Like that, that's kind of the marker, right? Like, oh, they're winning 90 games. Yeah. They're winning 97 a year. And, you know, now that they're trading off and they're now they're doing a, the rebuild or the retrench, whatever it would be, um, it's, you know, it takes a little bit out of that. But the last few years, it's been remarkable what they've been able to do with their payroll. And I'll give you a perfect example. I just looked briefly at the payrolls this year. And in the second division, basically, you know, teams 16 through 30 in payroll, I really only see three teams that can make the playoffs. So money makes a big difference. And I think the last few years, the fact that the Rays are winning divisions, that the A's are winning 97 a year, has kind of obscured that 
that it's, you know, you really do need to make at least like mid-level money in your payroll to be able to compete for a championship. And so what the A's and Rays have done the last few years is, is truly amazing. If you were running the A's right now and you had Frankie Montas sitting there, and obviously there were rumors about the Chicago White Sox, but would you be looking to deal him now or would you wait more towards the deadline where you could get more teams involved and more teams fighting over him? Well, yeah, that's the that's the, the craft of it, right? And the, and then the experience that you have. Um, I would think you'd get more now. You get more starts out of the guy now. And, and teams will always say that if you can move before the deadline, you should be able to get a better you know, trade value. On the other hand, what you're saying is also true that uh, you'll have teams that are a little more determined right around the trade deadline, especially this year with another team in each league making the playoffs. I think we're going to have a bunch of middle-class teams that uh, were not as anxious or uh, aggressive that are going to jump in there knowing that one or two players can make a big difference in getting from you know 81 wins to 87, which is likely what it'll take to make the playoffs. You know, right now in your neck of the woods, obviously we know with Aaron Judge and turning down the extension, I know Bieber has talked about, oh, I'd love to stay in Cleveland. Well, what else is a guy going to say when, when he's asked about an extension? We had to deal with that with Matt Chapman. We knew Chapman was telling us one thing, but he and Boris were going to do the other. Like, what is really the best way to handle this as a player when you have to say the right things or you're just going to get killed in the media? Yeah, you have to play that game. And uh, look, it takes two to tango. You know, today on MLB Now, we spoke to Alex Anthopoulos. And one of my questions was, you know, regarding Freddie Freeman. I think they made a great move in trading for Matt Olson and getting Olson in there when they realized it was unlikely to get Freeman. And yet, like, what happened? You know, what happened? For whatever reason, some something wasn't communicated or the negotiations just took on a life of their own. And even though Freeman didn't it, – it, Look, Freeman didn't break the bank, you know, as compared to the type of player that he is, and yet they were unable to make that deal. So you just have to say, look, I'm I'm open to to staying. I'd love to stay. It's got to be a competitive offer. And again, players have to wait six years to get that shot. So they've earned that shot, and I don't think we should ever hold it against them. And the, the it's up to the team to come out and make. A competitive offer. I thought the Yankees' offer was actually quite good. Um, is it top of the line? No. You know, Mookie Betts and Mike Trout make a little bit more, but Judge is going to be 31 when he starts that deal. So I thought it was, I thought it was a good deal. You know, they didn't come up short. 30 million a year for seven doesn't isn't short. It's just it's almost laughable when you hear uh, 230 million. Yeah, I'm not signing that. Yeah, I understand. You know what it is. I. I like, I understand it. I think you do, too, yeah. right? Like, you, you're comparing yourself to your peers. Uh, but you also do have to keep an eye on uh, comparing yourself to the American standard of living. That, you know, in, and GMs now have this advantage that the industry is so rich, so lucrative, that you can just wow a guy with money. Whereas even, you know, free agency, late 70s, early 80s, um, you were offering real money, but it wasn't making a guy super rich. It was making him, you know, pretty fluid, very affluent, but not rich. When you're talking thirty million a year, as compared to the American standard of living, no, you're rich, and so you have that advantage. And yet, players still compare themselves to their peers and think, "Wait, he's making thirty-four point five. I'm making thirty. Why is that?" 
Well, that's where I want to know behind the scenes. Are you saying forget Bob Costas and Greg Amsinger? I'm Brian Kenny. I need to get paid. <laughs> well, that's it. Look, um, no matter what, like when I think of – I, realistically, I think of the money I'm making now, and I would, if you had told me that when I was first a sportscaster in 1986, I would think I'd be – well, I'm, I, you know, I'm on my yacht, and I'm, I've got my, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my, my ponies out in the yard, and I've got my racehorses and everything. And no, whatever you, you make, you, know, you get used to it and you spend. Um, and as much as we look at it and go 30 million a year, what do you do with that money? No, you're, you're rich, but you'll figure out something to do with that money. And there, there are very few guys who make that money. So they are entitled. You know, I've told you, I taped the show every single week and we haven't been able to watch it because when it came on here, we're getting ready for our show. But I'm sure when I watch later on today, uh, you guys will talk about the double play that ended in Texas between the Rockies and the Rangers. Uh, what was your guys' take on that today? Well, we were in uh, vehement disagreement. I, I you know, you, I and, you out, and Dan I, O'Dowd. I, yeah, Dan wow. O'Dowd. Dan O'Dowd. Uh, actually, let me try to get this right. Dan O'Dowd said, "I hate the rule. I think it was a good call." I say, "I love the rule, and I think it was the wrong call." So we were in exact disagreement. I, I, I'll throw out one thing for those who are saying, well, you know, he has to keep his foot on the bag. That's not true. You have to attempt to keep your foot on the bag. So if you come off the bag and you happen to be off to the side, that still could be a legal slide. It, it's open to some interpretation. I, I'll tell you my gut reaction, and I'm very sensitive to this. I've been pushing for this rule for years. Uh, Two decades, I thought this, you know, it, to take a guy out and try to hurt a guy on second base is, is absurd. What are we doing? It's not, you know, the rough and tumble 19th century. And yet, uh, I was surprised when that was the call yesterday. I didn't think it should be called. I, and yeah, it's kind of like nitpicking. Letter of the law, did he move to the right a little bit? Yeah, a little bit, but I thought he was within his rights. And if you go in hard, straight into the bag, and you don't veer, like, don't find the guy. You know, if the if the infielder is looking to move one way or another, if you go to find him, you stay with him and he can't avoid you and you hurt him, then obviously that's what the rule is all about. That's wrong. And that's against the rule. I, I didn't think Garver did that at all. I thought he went in hard a little to the right and then he rolled up a, a little bit. I was I was surprised it was called. Dan O'Dowd thought you have to call that. It's an easy call. Well, I'll tell you an easy call. I was watching MLB Central this morning, and they were showing, I can't remember what year it was, but it's Yankees-Royals, Hal McRae in the ALCS uh, going into Willie Rand. I think it was Willie Randolph. I mean, well, I think it was 78, I think it was. They, they showed that highlight. I'm like, oh, my God, what the game used to be to where it is today. Wow. Yeah, I, and I know we show that all the time, and that's like the, that. that's also – egregious even back then it was crazy <laughs> and i'm against that i think everyone can look at that and say all right we don't want that and yet i think the key word to use is the word that they use at the plate for the collision rule egregious and I, you kind of know it when you see it as a you know supreme court justice once said you know do you roll out of the way to try to hurt this guy did you go to try to find him to crush him and if you just go in, you should be able to go straight into the bag as hard as you want. And if that guy's standing there and you break his leg, you break his leg. That guy's got to get out of your way. But you can't go and veer, as they say, that's part of the rules, veer and find the guy. 
and I think we'll know when it's there. I think if we look to see, let's, let's not eliminate every collision on the field. Let's eliminate the egregious collisions. You know, I asked David Forrest yesterday on this program about the amount of positions that we have on the roster, and he talked about how they fought so long for 26. We're going to start with 28. But now with the way that we're not getting a whole lot of innings out of starters and pitchers are getting hurt, I know there's still what we're going through with the labor negotiations. We just had COVID. But do you think like around 28 at some point will be around the number for roster spots? That seems to make sense. I think there also needs to be a rule, and there is a rule now this year. I think it'll start in May, like right around May 2nd, I think, uh, that you have a limit on pitchers as well. Yeah. And I think from there you deal with it. Um, look, and the, the better teams, the smarter teams, the A's, the Rays, the Dodgers, Yankees, they've been at the forefront of using their AAA shuttle, you know, optioning guys, moving them up and down, try to maximize the players that you can use. And I knew this was coming. I wrote it in my book years ago when I wrote a chapter on bullpenning. And I said, look, they're going to come up with rules to stop this. So do it now. Bullpen now because they're going to come up with rules to stop it. And now they are. And I think 28 makes sense. Um, you know, you want to make them play within the same rules. You want a few guys on the bench and you don't want guys to get hurt. Um, but maybe if you have fewer pitchers, perhaps we'll get out of this, you know, max effort sort of um, dynamic that we're in, that guys are, everybody's trying to throw 97 and up and, you know, only pitch for an inning and two thirds. That's where we're at now. Well, obviously we've had overreaction to start the year, right? We have all these opinions and, oh my God, we're three, four games in, but on your way out, I would love one big, bad, bold prediction for the 2022 season. Look into the Brian Kinney uh, crystal ball. What do you see? One bold prediction. Oh, you're killing me. Let me see. Let me see. Because you are the professor. Mean te- you mean team-wise? You Anything. Mean, I'll tell you one thing I'd like to see right. this year. This year. No, no, we're not going to have it. But I think at the start of next year, how about that? Pitch clock. I think we're all ready for the pitch clock. I think it's finally kind of turning the corner where we see it will help. It'll trim a half hour off games off the top right away. Half hour, dead time, gone. I'd like to see that. Well, as someone that books in a broadcast for 162 games, I'm all for it. You'll love it. Oh, Have you seen it in the minor leagues? In the minor leagues, every, and the players like it. Managers like it. Everybody likes it. And pitchers can't recover as well. I get it. But that doesn't mean they're getting hurt. It means you have to work faster like they did in, like, 1957. It can be physically done. Well, I got to tell you, your show, like, I hate during spring training when they put games on. Like, I don't need to see the Cardinals and the Yankees from Florida. I want MLB now. Your show is so good. We we take, we take steal from your show all the time, I got to tell you. It's fabulous. The research that you guys I, I'm, have. I'm honored that you steal from the show. I'm honored. So, I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I tell everybody that comes on from MLB, uh, from MLB Network how much we love them. You, by far, are our favorite. What you do is second to none. Your guys' show and what you do, even as a host with all the guys on uh, on a nightly basis. But uh, you are the king, my man, of MLB Network. We, we love having you on the program. It's always an honor. 
No, thank you so much. That's very kind of you, and I'd love to do it again. I'll, I'll have a better uh, bold prediction for you. Maybe that <laughs> Stephen Kwan never strikes out all year, something like that. He's a Bay Area kid. It's amazing. I'd love to see more players like that. I'll throw in one more thing. Like, everybody wants to ban the shift. If, if, if it's all Stephen Kwan's coming up, you don't have to ban the shift. But we don't like guys. We say we love guys 5'9", 170 that can play Major League Baseball. No, we don't. Uh, if we ban the shift, we're protecting the big lumbering slugger, not guys like Stephen Kwan. Hey, our good friend Bob Melvin once said, if you shifted against Ichiro, he'd hit 800. Yeah, exactly. Just, don't we want to see more of those players? Exactly. No doubt. Hey, Brian, thank you for the time. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk soon. We will. Thank you so much. Take care. The great Brian Kenny. I, I mean it. I tape that show every day. I will watch it tonight after I get done with postgame. My kids are always like, Dad, we're watching the show again? It is the best baseball show, hands down. There's no question. And don't forget, you can see it out here, 11 a.m. Pacific, MLB Now, hosted by Brian Kenny. And also, we got Jays and Yankees Thursday Night Baseball at 4 o'clock Pacific. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.